Hey, it's Jan from Toyota, reminding you that Toyotathon is on and here to help make your holidays extra magical. How? Maybe it's driving in a Tacoma in search of the perfect hill to sled down. Or surprising loved ones in a RAV4 hybrid. You made it! <laughs> and seeing their faces light up when you pull up to their home. Dealer inventory may vary. Offers are subject to change throughout Toyotathon, which ends on January 3rd. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Toyota, let's go places. So that way, Bill WD-40 can get on in here and lube us on up for tonight's show. Gailey C., welcome. And there's YJ Overlander, my good friend from up north. Midnight uh, night or Midwest Night Watchers and Lily Pond. Good to have you both here. Tonight's going to be a great show. We got Ross Coltart for the first 90 minutes. Then I'm going to continue talking some UFOs and everything. Kind of recap what Ross has said tonight. Yeah, and then uh, Super Duke will be in. For the uh, cryptid report, we got a power show for you tonight. Hi, Search and Destroy. Nice to see you. And Digger Dog, good to see you here. Can't wait to see you in Vegas, my friend, for our fan party. May 19th through 21st at the Golden Nugget Casino next year. We all got to come on in. We all got to come in and hang out together once again like we did earlier this year, which was a giant success. And we can find more information on our website, spacedoutradio.com. We are building the itinerary. Tits McGee, welcome. Thank you for filling in for the vacationing. Veronica Corningstone, Pixie Lara, nice to have you here. We are 10 seconds away from launching tonight's show. It's going to be a power one. Ross Coltart coming up next. Horns up. Let's rock. snowy mountains of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters we welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio Talkstream live and kpnl all of our archives are free Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old baby the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of information for you tonight. Investigative journalist Ross Coltart. For the first 90 minutes, we'll talk about the UFO cover-up. In hour number three, we go to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller is back. Super Duke brings us the cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night, and Shirky Poo has the news. Joining us from Australia is award-winning investigative journalist Ross Coltart. He is uh, most recently for Australian News and Current Affairs Program 60 Minutes on Channel 9. He was previously chief investigations reporter for the Sunday Night News Program. He has won awards over awards. But the one story that he continues to break right now is UFOs. This has become a passion for this journalist who has seen a real lack thereof in a field 
that is dominated by, well, we really don't care what's going on. Not Ross, though. He wants to get to the bottom of this, whether it's in the U.S. or around the world. He knows that this is one story that will affect every single person on this planet, and we're glad he's covering it. Ross Coltart, thank you so much for joining us on Spaced Out Radio again, my friend. To have somebody with your stature here to break down the news for us is very, very special. Thank you for joining us. G'day, Dave. How are you? And uh, hello to all of your listeners. Well, I would be better if it wasn't minus 25 degrees Celsius outside. (laughs) It's a beautiful summer evening here in Australia, almost gin and tonic time. It's a gorgeous time of year here. When you guys are freezing in your wintry Christmas homes, over our way we sit around eating Christmas dinner and uh, we eat all the traditional stuff, the turkey and the ham, but we eat it in blistering hot heat. I got to go there one time just to figure it out, just to figure it out. But Ross, we only got you for 90 minutes. We're going to step right into this here. You know, the one thing that I have really enjoyed about your coverage of this is the balance that you give it, the proper journalism that you have given this topic. And a lot of people will say I'm kissing butt to you right now. But realistically, journalism is what we see today is not what you grew up with, not what you are, not what I grew up with when I went to broadcasting school. I mean, where is this story going when it comes to UFOs? Because the medium is supposed to be the message, yet the message isn't being brought out. Well, Dave, as you and I both know, journalism in its traditional form uh, is meant to be analytical. I'm always kind of uncomfortable with the description of me as an investigative journalist because all journalists should be investigative. One of the problems that I have at the moment with contemporary media, not just on the issue of UAPs, UFOs, is that there's a tendency these days just to rip and read, to, to basically take in a government press release or a corporate press release and not look behind the language and ask questions about it. And I think we also now live in a society where a lot of people get the mistaken idea that it's wrong for us to question, to challenge authority and to tweak the nose of people in in authority. They're expecting to be challenged and we should challenge them because the way we hold people to account in our mutual democracies is by asking questions and the media isn't called the fourth estate for no reason. It's it's basically an arm, um, it's essentially an arm of holding the government to account and transparency. And on the, the UAP issue, I, I feel acutely, sadly, a lot of the mainstream press has really dropped the ball. There's a, a stigma, a ridicule that for much of the last 70 years has dominated the whole coverage of this issue. The media has basically allowed itself to be snowed. And I think you and I have talked previously about how the history from the government's own archives, CIA files, show that the Robertson panel from 1952 on was fundamentally a cover-up. There's no other word for it. And journalists generally don't like using words like conspiracy and cover-up because more often than not in government, these things are just screw-ups. They're just not deliberate. They're just some bureaucrat who doesn't do their job properly. And as a result, they they end up concealing something that they're embarrassed about. But in this case, I, I do believe it's quite an incredible story. It's the biggest story of the moment. I think it's it's easily the biggest story of our time. We've got a government, your government, the United States government, is essentially conceding 
on the record, on the public record, that there is a phenomenon that is inexplicable. And no matter how many times the debunkers and the skeptics tie themselves up in knots, the simple fact is, is that the the uh, whatever you call the the joint program office or whatever it is in the Pentagon right now, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office or the Office of the Undersecretary for Defence Acquisition of Technology or the Unidentified Aerospace Undersea Phenomena Joint Program Office, all of these departments have concluded from the available evidence that's been presented so far publicly that there is indeed a real phenomenon. A real mystery. And after years of debunking and ridicule, there is an official government position held by your government stated to the Congress in the report that was tendered in June last year and which was reinforced in uh, hearings uh, in May this year. Although begrudgingly, the government has been dragged kicking and screaming to the admission that UFOs, unidentified aerial phenomena, are real. And everything really should have stopped. The world really should have stopped and taken notice at that point. Because from that point on, the world changed. We've been told, I've been told in journalism for decades, it's all rubbish, don't cover it, don't give it any credence at all. The reality is that people inside your defence, your military, your intelligence services, private corporate companies that are aware of what's going on, they're telling me, yes, there's been a cover-up. There really has. And the public is entitled to know. And moreover, we're at a really interesting juncture. We're at an inflection point in history right now, Dave, where the Congress has demanded by legislation, by statute, that no later than October the 31st this year and annually thereafter until 2026, the director of the um, government department responsible in the defense department has to provide to the appropriate congressional committees a report on unidentified aerial phenomena. And the stipulation of what that report contains is very, very stringent. This is a, a declaration by your Congress, your equivalent of our parliament. You people, the people listening to this program, are sovereign in your country, not the anonymous men and women that choose to run it. It's government for the people, by the people. You, the American people, control your government. And I think people have lost sight of this. And this report that should have been tendered in Congress, and in fact I understand it may very well now be sitting in a cupboard waiting until early next week when it will finally be released in an unclassified form for public consumption, I'm assured it is or it's just about to be delivered to the Congress a month late. But either way, it's a shocking breach of statutory regulations that it hasn't been provide, provided until now. And I just hope that it's not indicative of future performance by the Pentagon and the intelligence community that they've been so late in providing this crucial report, because this is an accounting to the American people on what is fundamentally the biggest issue of our time. No, I, and I fully agree with you. I mean, there's so few people that are controlling a story that is going to affect 7.75 billion of us, 
Ross. I mean, it's amazing that that it's not getting out there more. One of the things I want to talk to you about tonight, Ross, is the idea of the threat narrative. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after a year of not hearing Russia or China, we're back to Chinese drones. I mean, are we just in a circular pattern to try and cover up this story? Because when when I look at it, I don't believe the Chinese drones theories now. Uh, you know, especially after Elizondo and Mellon stopped using the words Russia and China in order to get their point across. I mean, where are we on the threat narrative here? Well, multiple people, including Lou Elizondo, the former head of the Pentagon's UFO program, and Chris Mellon, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, two men cleared to top-secret SCI clearances, multiple people have declared that China and Russia are not responsible for whatever this phenomenon is that's manifesting itself in our skies. And what I think we're all referring to, crucially, is a key hearing that took place in May this year, which was the first ever congressional hearing into UAPs in about 52 years. And essentially, the whole thing was a complete joke. As you know, there were two intelligence officials from the Pentagon who came forward. They purported not to know anything about some very important aspects of ufology, about um, issues that have been raised uh, in the public arena that relate to alleged leaks of information relating to the phenomenon. But more importantly, they played down the notion that there is something anomalous, even though the report to Congress last year categorically asserted, after investigation by the Pentagon, that they could not explain 143 out of 144 sightings, mainly from military pilots that they investigated. This time, nearly, uh, what's that, nearly a year later, they declared in this briefing to the Congress that, yes, you know, a lot of this seems to be Chinese drones. And I don't think the evidence is there yet to show that this is all Chinese drones. I don't doubt that for a moment that the Chinese are trying to spy on United States military platforms. If, if I was the Chinese, I would be doing it. And sadly... I think both of our countries are teetering on the edge of a military confrontation with China. I think it's a, a reality that we probably will, unless things change, find ourselves at war with China in the next five to ten years. I certainly hope that's not the case. So, yes, China is surveilling both Australia and America. It's a big issue for both of our countries. But the notion that I think the incidents that were being talked about by um, Scott Bray and Ron Moultrie, the two defence officials in May, were incidents where US Navy ships off the coast of California at sea in the open ocean in international waters were being buzzed by multiple drone apparent objects. And there are some pictures which appear to support the contention that some of these at least are drones. The, the problem with this explanation is, as Jeremy Corbell explained to Bryce Zabel and I on a, a Need to Know podcast we did earlier in the year, um, the drone's explanation doesn't wash. If you look at the number of incidents that were taking place, somebody is capable of deploying drones far out to sea from an unknown platform. It, it wasn't a cargo vessel that happened to be sailing through these US Navy vessels. That explanation doesn't wash. It was meant to have been a, a bulk carrier called the Bass Strait. 
and that doesn't wash just because it was Chinese registered. There's no evidence at all that the drones, if they were drones, came from that vessel. Now, it may very well be, we have to concede this, that your intelligence and defence services don't want to reveal how much of what they know because they're trying to protect sources means and methods. Maybe there's a technique that they've used to figure out where these objects came from that led them back to China. But essentially, when they've been asked, and when people like myself and others have given them the opportunity to explain the whole Chinese drones theory, they run for water. They really, they don't provide any evidence to justify this assertion. Now, it may very well be, we have to add to the fact here that it may very well be that there are indeed drones that are operating that are buzzing US Navy vessels. And there are, as I've said, pictures, video that appear to support the contention that some of these objects might well be drones. But I've spoken to US Navy personnel. I've spoken to people who've actually been there when these objects are hovering overhead. And they've told me that the, the uh, performance parameters of these objects exceed those of a known, even military drone. They're not something that can reasonably describe, be described within the technology that you and I both know. These are objects that appear to have some kind of a glow to them, some kind of plasma glow in some cases. They're able to flit across the sky in the bat of an eyelid. They're not showing the noise and the, um, uh, the performance parameters of what looks like a, a commercial or military drone. And look, you know, maybe it's possible. Maybe the United States has been testing its own technology against its military. But to me, the one thing that is most telling is that if you were a carrier battle group and you had unknown drones hovering over your ships, highly sensitive vessels armed to the teeth with the top-line technology, you would bring down one of these drones and you would definitively resolve once and for all what type of object it is and you would engage it with your Absolutely. weaponry. There is no evidence at all that that has happened. Now, frankly... It doesn't wash with me, this drone explanation, for that very reason. And it's going to be very interesting because the report to Congress, mandated by the Congress from the Pentagon and the intelligence community, I'm told is either with the Congress now or just about to be, and we should know its contents hopefully next week. And one of the things that's required in that report is a report on all reported unidentified aerial phenomena related events that occurred in the previous year. And it requires an analysis of all of the data and intelligence received through those reports, not just video. We're talking here about the absolute crown jewels of the intelligence assets of the United States, geospatial intelligence, signals intelligence, human intelligence, and measurement and signals intelligence. This is huge. We're about, with the determination of the Congress, so long as the politicians keep their political will, we're about to start getting real data, or at least the Congress is. Just how much the public gets told about this is another issue. But, I mean, I think it's worth summarising here, Dave, what the Congress mandated in the Defence Authorization and Intelligence Authorization Acts of last year. They mandated that the number of reported incidents of UAPs over restricted airspace of the United States be reported. So we're going to get that as well. 
and they want analysis. They want identification of potential aerospace or other threats by unidentified aerial phenomena to the national security of the US. They want an assessment of any activity regarding UAP that can be attributed to one or more adversarial foreign governments. And they're particularly interested in knowing whether any of this demonstrates that a potential adversarial foreign government might have achieved a breakthrough aerospace capability. And they're also demanding an update on coordination by the United States with allies, including Australia, on efforts to track, understand and address UAP. This is a massively important document. But to come to the threat issue that you talked about... In military parlance, Dave, anything we don't understand, particularly if it's in restricted airspace, is by definition a threat. These objects hovering over carrier battle groups out to sea in restricted airspace where the United States is conducting sensitive military exercises, deploying technology, exercising new radar systems, you know, trying out new weapon systems... That's exactly the sort of stuff that a foreign adversary wants to monitor. So we have to concede, until we know what's in the report from to Congress, there's always the possibility that China or Russia or some other country has had some incredible breakthrough in aerospace technology, which allows them to deploy platforms, aerospace platforms, that do things frankly, that we just do not understand, that we cannot match in performance, speed, manoeuvres, stealth, everything. These are off-the-wall, completely unknown technological breakthroughs if they're real. And by definition, anything like that is a threat. It doesn't have to take a shot at the carrier, the barrier battleship or the carrier. All it has to do is be there And for the United States to know that there is something operating in its airspace over sensitive facilities, installations, or or weaponry, or ship platforms, or uh, airborne platforms, that, by definition, is a threat. And that's what's... Hey, it's Jan from Toyota, reminding you that Toyotathon is on, and here to help make your holidays extra magical. How? Maybe it's driving in a Tacoma in search of the perfect hill to sled down. Or surprising loved ones in a RAV4 hybrid. You made it! <laughs> and seeing their faces light up when you pull up to their home. Dealer inventory may vary. Offers are subject to change throughout Toyotathon, which ends on January 3rd. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Toyota, let's go places. Hey guys, this is Keenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face, but I'm not smiling. No one told me that with AutoTrader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on AutoTrader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. AutoTrader. It's driving the Congress's concern. I mean, one of the, one of the concerns I frankly have made is I, I suspect that there's a push on at the moment inside the Pentagon and the intelligence community to give as close as possible to a proper accounting as they feel they can get away with without giving away 
too much. And so I think we're going to see a, a fairly lukewarm report that reveals not a huge amount, but essentially they know they have to comply with the Congress's demands because Congress has made it very clear they're not going to put up with BS. They want answers, particularly on these alleged threats that might be whether or not they're foreign adversarial platforms. So we're going to know the answer probably within the next week or two. Hopefully, if the Congress releases something in unclassified form that allows the public to finally know. And this is really significant because this is the first accounting in, well, gosh, years half a century. It's the first accounting in half a century of definitively what the United States defense and intelligence community knows about UAPs. It's quite an exciting moment. And I just hope the Congress keeps its resolve, because one of the things that does concern me is a lot of the politicians who've been sticking their heads up and making political capital out of speaking on UAPs, they've all gone very mysteriously quiet in the last few months. And I'm hearing terrible rumours of a pushback from people, particularly in the US Air Force, who arrogantly think that you, the American public and the rest of the world, have no right to know what they know. And frankly, I think they've forgotten who the government is for and who the government is by. It's you, the people. And bloody hell, you should be rattling the cage and demanding answers because we're at an absolute breakthrough moment here where at this very moment, there is probably a report sitting somewhere in a safe in the Congress awaiting release sometime in the next week or two, which will hopefully give us some of those answers. Ross, we only got about 20 seconds here, but I'm going to give you some information I'm not sure you may be aware of. The Canadian government, in my talks uh, with my sources up here, have deemed that the Department of National Defense has deemed UFOs to be zero threat to Canadian airspace. Zero threat. And this is why they are coming at it from a scientific level and not a threat narrative level like the U.S. government. And even though there's been UFOs spotted over nuclear facilities... The government and the military believe no threat from UFOs has them cause for concern. We're going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Journalist Ross Coltart from the podcast Need to Know. We'll be back with more Ross right after this. All right, Ross, we are clear. Our YouTube audience can still hear us, though. Okay. And uh, are they watching me on YouTube? Is there yes. video as well or is it just yeah. audio? Yeah, it's audio and video and you look, you look yeah. smashing. Yeah. You look smashing. I can't see you at all. It, it, it's kind of disconcerting because I can't see you. Oh, weird. But, um, uh, weird. I'm not getting any return vision from you. Strange. Very strange. No, uh, we're, you, we're all set up here like we normally are and we got you here and and uh, mm. your beautiful office behind you. Might, you might want to check because on the live, I'm looking at the live stream yard and all I'm seeing on my end is on the live stream yard is my image, but I'm not seeing anything from you or, um, or uh, what do you call himself? Dirty, Dirty filth. <laughs> Dirty filth. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm looking at the YouTube feed right now and, and everything is, is fine with us. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It must must just be spaced out radio. It must be just the way it's working. It's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know. 
but the main thing is uh, we everything's uh, turning out good. But yeah, the the uh, my sources in Ottawa uh, recently told me that there is zero threat narrative coming out of the Canadian government. Zero threat. Yeah, well, I can talk. I can talk to that with Australia as well. I mean, we've got a similar issue here in Australia, um, and it's funny because I've I've actually had meetings with fighter pilots and. Um, uh, just recently, I've literally had people sitting in my lounge room here in my home telling me that, that they are seeing anomalous objects in the skies and and how, for them, the fact that the chief of the Air Force has told a parliamentary committee that they're not interested in UFOs is deadening because um, it makes them realise that the message is, don't tell us about your <laughs> your bloody UFOs. We're not interested. Absolutely. I'm going to turn everything over to Dirty Filth here for a minute. He can explain his cartoon. Ross, uh, uh, I just became a grandfather last week, so my my better half is down with our daughter. uh, And so I'm going to quickly run upstairs and check on my son and see how he's doing, okay? Good on you. No worries at all. All right. There you are, Dirty Filth. Take it away. Well, it's another exciting edition of Dirty Filth Draws Cartoons on Spaced Out Radio. I decided I was going to do a government-themed drawing today. So once we get to the end, which won't take very long, we'll see the result. There might be some redactions, of course, but I can't, can't speak too much until the end result comes out. Or I'll just stick it to shelf and draw something else. It's a classic maneuver. The cats have abandoned me, by the way, if anybody's asking. I can't see the chat. It stopped going because the stream here is drunk and broken or something. Looking good, Dirty. Looking good. Thanks. It's my hair. You're bald. We're not talking about your chest hair here. All right. We got about uh, 90 seconds, Ross. No worries. 90 seconds. Hi, Logan L. Good to see you. Who else has come on in here that I haven't said hello to? Let's see here. I think we're all caught up, too. We're all caught up. Yeah, this this whole threat narrative, I think it's about money, and that's all it is. Money and budget. You know, nothing more. Yeah, it's also competing agencies. I think one of the problems for the Air Force is they're neurotic about the fact that Space Force is cutting into their turf. And oh, um, yeah. I think one of the one of the cleverest moves that's been made is uh, for Space Force to be a separate agency. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to say thank you for not charging me $600 for this interview tonight. 
Can you believe that? I just, I mean, is that Dave McGowan? Is, I truly, for the life of me, cannot believe oh, that. In, I, you know what? If you get an opportunity, go back a couple of days on my Twitter feed where I am hammering their agent online, telling <laughs> him how the media works and, and uh, all this kind of crap. It, it's actually going to be my Dave 101 tonight. But uh, I just want to yeah. say uh, quickly here, thank you to Catfish Times 2, uh, Pam and W. Decker for the super chats. Very much appreciated. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on Twitch or YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe. Here we go with the second half hour, everyone. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Appreciate earning your listening ears as we talk UFOs tonight. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Journalist and podcaster from Need to Know, Ross Coltart is here. We are talking about threat narratives and everything to do with UFOs. I want to turn the corner here, Ross, because we only have you for about another hour here, but... Well, the one thing I want to thank you for is our show has been one of the only ones that has really been hammering NASA and Bill Nelson for the fools that they are making the public out to be, saying they know nothing about UFOs. This is a complete shock to them, even though we know, and there is proof out there publicly, that astronauts and test pilots for NASA have been experiencing unidentified aerial phenomena since the Gemini days in the early 60s. I mean... This, if anything tells the public there is a cover-up, it's NASA. And yet Tucker Carlson doesn't go at it. The media doesn't go at it. Ralph Blumenthal doesn't go at it. Leslie Keene doesn't go at it. I mean, there's a story right there, and nobody's jumping on it, Ross. I know, and I was very worried because, they, as you know, they've announced a group that's going to be looking at the subject of UAPs. And um, I was very concerned because um, one of two of the members have basically come out publicly and made statements that appear to suggest a preconceived conclusion, uh, which essentially is hostile to the idea that there might be something anomalous here that is incapable of explanation. Um, I was quite shocked that scientists would do what essentially the Condon Inquiry and the Robertson Panel set out to do as well 50 or so years ago to try to denigrate the subject matter of UFOs, UAPs, before they've been properly investigated. I mean, the reality is, Dave, as you and I both know, there is a, a large number of people who've worked for NASA, not just astronauts, but also support staff at quite senior levels, who've made it abundantly clear that they think that there are things that NASA needs to be more open and transparent about. Um, the the one that fascinates me, because I've, I've been interested in it because... Um, people here in Australia have told me to take a look at it, is the uh, STS-48 vision, the Shuttle 48 vision, where you see objects that appear to be manoeuvring in Earth orbit 
And um, I noticed some debunkers have tried to suggest that these are just ice crystals. And then you see a, a pulse of light and the object appears to evade that pulse of light. And it zooms off at enormous speed. And uh, I think James Oberg or somebody tried to debunk it and suggest that it wasn't what people thought it might be, i.e. some kind of intelligently controlled craft. But you know what? The best way to resolve this would be for NASA to actually start aggressively responding to the public and actually inviting people's questions about this issue. There are so many stories, so many blurry videos I've seen that people have sent me saying, investigate NASA, have a look at this. And the simple fact is I'm not in a position to be able to support or rebut them because the only people who have the data that can definitively respond to this are NASA. And so I'm very interested, though, for the simple fact that um, one of my sources who I've given the pseudonym The Spaceman in my book, In Plain Sight, he was a personal friend of Edgar Mitchell, the Apollo 14 lunar module pilot. And Edgar told him that as an astronaut, they were told that there were certain things that they would see involving UAPs on their missions that they weren't allowed to talk about. And Edgar told my friend, the spaceman, that he believed that the craft that they were in, the Apollo 14 command module and lunar module, they were followed all the way out from the Earth, surveilled while they were on the moon, and then followed all the way back. Now, it's very interesting because one of the things about NASA is when you have heroes of the status of Edgar Mitchell making these kind of public statements, it's very hard for NASA to take its own people on. You know, this is a guy with with degrees that, that, that frankly, most people can't even read the thesis behind those degrees. They're, he was a phenomenally highly educated man, brilliant man, and the, just the sort of person that the American government chose to trust with these billions of dollars of technology. And he achieved a successful mission, as did a lot of the other astronauts in their Apollo missions. And so... It's very hard for them to denigrate. They can't attack these people. And there are other people. Um, is it James McDevitt who said that yes. he photographed an object, a, a, a tubular cylindrical shaped object that was hovering in space off his craft. And there was never any explanation, any proper explanation given for that. I, before the Cold War emerged with the Putin government, I was able to talk to Timofey Igorov, who's the cosmonaut trainer for the um, cosmonauts in the Russian space program. And he introduced me to multiple people in the Russian space program, including people at major general level who were prepared to say on the record that they are seeing and have been seeing anomalous phenomena in orbit that they cannot explain. Now, I think we're just going to get a snow job from NASA. I hope I'm wrong. But yes, you're right. Again, a publicly funded agency is not being candid with the American people. Well, and it should be. And it's only one question that needs to be asked, Ross. To Bill Nelson, have you checked your own closet? That's it. When he Well, Bill has actually gone... Bill's, Bill's gone further than most. Bill's actually made comments about the possibility that what we're talking about is extraterrestrial. He's actually made concessions. Yes. And um, I've, got, I've got his quote here in front of me, and I'll read some of it to you. 
I know what you've seen is what those Navy pilots saw in 2004, and there have been some 300 sightings since then, he told one interviewer. I've talked to those pilots. They know they saw something. Their radars locked onto it, and then all of a sudden, it was here pointing down on the surface, and then it's up there pointing up. And they don't know what it is, and we don't know what it is, but it's something. Now, they know that they saw something. They tracked it. They locked their radar on it. They followed it. It would suddenly move quickly from one location to another. And so what the report, this is back in June last year, does tell us that is public is that there have been over 140 of these sightings. So naturally, what I ask our scientists to do is to see if there's any kind of an explanation from a scientific point of view. And I'm awaiting their report. And so he actually concedes in his answer to the question, he says, my personal opinion is that the universe is so big, and there are even theories there might be other universes, and if that's the case, who am I to say that planet Earth is the only location of a life form that is civilized and organized like ours? Are there other planet Earths out there? I certainly think so, says Bill Nelson, the current NASA administrator and former senator. I certainly think so because the universe is so big. I mean, and that's an amazing statement from a public official, it let is. alone the guy who runs NASA. NASA. It, it is, but it's also, reading between the lines, he's talking about the U.S. Navy reports. He has yet to mention anything about NASA's dawdling in this, knowing that almost every rocket or shuttle that is launched has been followed since Gemini, even the X-15 program. Absolutely. I know. And, and it's funny because, look, I've, I've, I've got to be careful here, but I've had private conversations with people who uh, have worked at NASA and have worked in agencies that work with NASA. And uh, they are adamant that NASA is sitting on an absolute treasure trove of data. But look, Dave, I, I think ultimately at the heart of all of this is it's kind of silly after a while to sort of play that dance that we all do, I think, and I'm guilty of it as much as everybody else, where we, we basically constantly talk about what they probably know and what they must know. Let's just take it as a given. To me, the real question is, why aren't they being candid? What, why is there this reluctance to be more open? And the more optimistic people that I speak to tell me that we're being slowly softened up that there's a view that's been taken in a decision that was made a very, very long time ago that the human race, particularly the American people who are paying for all the bills for this, of course, it needs to be prepared and that the, the shock, the um, ontological shock, ontological shock of realizing that we are not alone in this universe is so much that we have to be prepared for it. And maybe to put an optimistic slant on it, maybe that's what's happening because to me, it's just a given. I don't, I don't really feel the need to make the argument anymore. I mean, we've got presidents like President Clinton, President Obama, President Trump, even um, President Carter, right back to him. They've all suggested very, very strongly that they know things that they're not allowed to talk about. Barack Obama, probably the most. And I'm told that Barack Obama, for example, was briefed. Interestingly, not during his administration, but after his administration, because all presidents continue to enjoy top-secret SCI clearance access to very sensitive data. And I'm told that whatever it is that presidents 
normally aren't allowed to know, he's one of them who has been briefed in. And I think that's why we've seen a distinct change in his public position. He's speaking quite overtly about the fact that there is a mystery here that does require investigation. It's not something that can be easily dismissed and and just ignored and ridiculed, which is what's been going on for much of the last 60 or 70 years. Isn't about the military-industrial complex wanting to keep this UFO uh, story and potentially technology of crash retrievals a secret? Or is it because space is about to become very big business in the trillions upon trillions of dollars? Look, it's funny because... I'm kind of sympathetic in a way. I mean, I'm a a journalist and I deal all the time with people in defense and intelligence who tell me things often that I shouldn't know. Um, I I think I've, I've talked before about this, but I was once in position of information where I was told that Australia was deploying special forces troops to Iraq. And it was all being kept very secret. But basically, before the um, 2000 and three invasion of Iraq, there were Australian Special Forces soldiers days earlier in the desert in Iraq, stealthily inserting themselves into position, ready for the breakout of the war. And the interesting thing is, I and other journalists who were apprised of this quite rightly made the decision that it was none of our business. We had absolutely no right to talk about this. The way we'd found out was by almost complete accident, a slightly overzealous person who felt they were doing us a favour by telling us this, but it could have compromised the lives of Allied soldiers. And so for that reason, we chose not to reveal it. Now, in this case, I think that a lot of what is... It's Jan from Toyota, reminding you that Toyotathon is on and here to help make your holidays extra magical. How? Maybe it's driving in a Tacoma in search of the perfect hill to sled down. Or surprising loved ones in a RAV4 hybrid. You made it! <laughs> and seeing their faces light up when you pull up to their home. Dealer inventory may vary. Offers are subject to change throughout Toyotathon, which ends on January 3rd. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Toyota, let's go places. Hey guys, this is Kenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face, but I'm not smiling. No one told me that with Auto Trader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on Auto Trader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. Auto Trader driving the secrecy inside the Pentagon, the resistance from particularly the United States Air Force, which I'm told is by far the biggest part of the problem. A lot of what is driving the resistance is a genuine concern that we are on the brink of war with China and possibly Russia. And at a time like this, we don't want to show technology that we may or may not have. Imagine hypothetically, Dave, if the United States had developed hypothetically platforms that perhaps are bearing a resemblance to the ones that have been seen buzzing US Navy ships. What if those drone swarms that we all heard about and that story that strangely disappeared in Colorado and across the Midwest about two or three years ago, where there were repeated reports of swarms of drones buzzing 
police and FBI officials, farmers and TV crews. Everybody witnessed it. But did you notice how the story just disappeared? I think something was being tested. I, I think the United States has technology up its sleeve that it's preparing for use in God forbid, the next conflict. And so, yes, I think to some degree it is, to use that old-fashioned term, the military-industrial complex. It's all about, a large part of it is money, of course, because there's a huge amount of money to be made from selling and developing weapons like this. But to a large degree, it's about maintaining dominance, battlefield dominance. Uh, If you've got technology that you've developed in secret, which you believe could give you a strategic advantage on the battlefield, you don't want to be put in a position where that might be compromised by, say, an inadvertent disclosure in Congress in a public hearing. And so I think that there's an effort to contain this at the moment because we're in the most dangerous period since, and probably ever, frankly. I think I think it's far more dangerous than the Cuban Missile Crisis, what we're going through at the moment. And a large part of that is because the public's not being made aware of how dangerous this time is. Very you true. know, there are, there, there are American bombers, you know, nuclear-armed bombers being deployed to forward positions. This is really disturbing you know we're, we're in a a new paradigm at the moment where people are talking openly about fighting a war with china in the taiwan strait if china tries to deploy its troops to invade taiwan we're worried that the possibility that that it might go nuclear in Ukraine if Vladimir Putin is stupid enough to use a tactical nuclear weapon on the battlefield because he's losing and losing badly in places like Kurzon. And what happens if the Ukrainians decide to make a leap for Crimea, deploying troops in a way that would make the Russians lose their land bridge to their um, Mediterranean-based port or their Mediterranean source port? The simple fact is they're not going to let go of that in a hurry, and there's a terrible risk of escalation. And in the middle of all of this, Yes, there have been revelations in the New York Times and from certain key people who appear to know something that we don't, that just possibly there is retrieved technology that is non-human that has been developed. What if that's been developed into weaponry? What if we have plasma weapons or anti-gravitic platforms or some kind of energy or propulsion system which is completely outside known human understanding, which we could use to wipe the floor. And when I say we, I mean the Five Eyes allies, Australia, New Zealand, the USA, Britain, Canada. Um, Canada. I mean, ultimately, the, um, the, the simple fact is you'd keep it confidential. You'd keep it secret. And so I I think what we've got going at the moment is there was a push on. There was irrefutably a push on for some degree of greater transparency in 2015, 2016. We know that from the leaked Democratic National Committee emails between John Podesta, Tom DeLong, General Neil McCasland, General Michael Carey, and Robert Weiss of Lockheed Martin. We know that there were conversations going on with key members of Hillary Clinton's campaign team in anticipation and, frankly, the positive expectation that she was going to be the next president. That didn't happen. And I think that set back an enormous plan for transparency. And I think what's happening now is you're seeing a regathering of that plan. 
you're seeing a, um, a, a conglomeration of the forces that were united back in 2015, 2016, briefing unbelievably Tom DeLong, the punk rocker, telling him about allegedly a non-human intelligence that's been operating on this planet for millennia. And I think there's now, I think, the beginning of a push to reveal that to the public. Certainly, that's what I'm being told by people who purport to be in the know. But look, you know, for all I know, Dave, it might be misinformation. It could be disinformation. We really won't know for sure until they roll it out. Other people say they haven't been able to develop this technology. Other people say, yes, there is recovered technology, but we haven't been able to do much with it because it's completely beyond our kin and understanding. But either way... At the heart of all of this, there is sections of the national security, military, industrial complex, whatever you call it, the defense intelligence establishment. They're clinging on with their fingernails. There are some sections of that community that are laudably and honorably deciding, you know what? There is no bloody reason why the public can't know this information. And they're saying, yes, we should be more open. And I've spoken to some of those people at quite high levels. They've sought me out. They've basically said, yes, you're on the money. We are very keen, but there is resistance. And one of the uh, groups, one of the arms of the military that is most resistant, let's name them and shame them, is the US Air Force. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the Space Force, which is, I can see, taking quite a progressive view on openness and transparency, um, it's a separate arm of the military from the US Air Force, which doesn't make the US Air Force very happy. And so what we're going to see, I think, and it might even start rolling out in the weeks before Christmas, I think we're going to start seeing with the release of this first report to Congress, the report of the um, whatever it is, the UUAP. Uh, I think that's the current acronym that we're operating under, the Unidentified Aerospace Undersea Phenomena Joint Program Office. I, I think we're going to see some concessions being made, but I don't think it's going to happen in a hurry, and I think it's all being very carefully controlled. And I think the most important thing that your listeners and viewers can do is get onto a a pad, write a letter, write a letter to their congressional representative and rattle the cage. Get something done. Tell your politician this matters. Tell your politician that this is not a minor issue. Explain that opening up and revealing what the government knows about UAPs, about the broader issue known as the phenomenon, is an issue of concern to you because you vote. That is very true. We got three minutes to go before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Ross Coltart is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We have him for another half hour after this. Ross, with everything that has become political regarding this subject, I mean, you you look at the the support that you would see from other countries in a, in a topic like this. We're not seeing it. Where's the UK on this? Where's Australia? Where's France? Where's Germany? You know, I realize, like, like you said, there's more going on in the world right now. The world is a dangerous place, and everybody's paying attention to that. But are these other countries showing that same concern for UFOs that, like they are here in North America? Well, one of the problems is that, that the Five Eyes Alliance, which your country and mine, Canada and the Australia and the UK, they're all part of, it's very much 
we're all the junior cousins to the big boys, the American government. And it was an alliance formed during the Second World War, largely for signals intelligence purposes, to facilitate the sharing of decoded, decrypted intelligence, which helped us, frankly, win the war. But as you know, it became a much wider military coalition, and the fact of its collaboration has been kept very, very secret for many, many years. I um, I was a bit of a thorn in the ointment for... Um, uh, the Five Eyes, quite a few years ago, back in, um, gosh, 1995, 1996, when I did a story that exposed the existence of what's now known and acknowledged as the Echelon Communications Spying System. And it was essentially the revelation that there are bases here in Australia, bases in the UK, bases in Canada, all through the Five Eyes Nations, New Zealand, the UK, USA, where we're monitoring, we're actually intercepting undersea cables, satellite communications, and we're actually listening in, blanket listening in to people's communications. And the story that I did explored just how tight were the controls for Australia on making sure that the United States wasn't abusing such extraordinary powers. Because essentially, by being a participant in the echelon spying, and this is relevant to UAPs, I'll get to that in a moment, by being a participant in communications spying, we were willy-nilly sanctioning, if you like, quite, you know, not illegal because it was, governments can do whatever the hell they want to do, but improper interception of private conversations. And the question in my mind was, were we doing enough in Australia to protect economic intelligence, to stop the Americans, for example, from stealing contracts from us that we were fighting to win against American companies? What was the risk that by being unwittingly part of a spy system like this, we weren't giving away a little part of what it means to be a sovereign government? Now, on the UAP issue, it's the same issue. The Australian Air Force... Let's hold that thought until we come back for the break. You know how it is in media, my friend. The commercials. No worries at all. Space Out Radio continues next. We got Ross Coltart for another 30 minutes on the show. And then the back half hour, we're going to take your questions about what Ross was saying tonight. Space Out Radio is hour number two. Next. I'm just going to go and grab a beer. I am so leaving that in. I'm just going to go grab a beer. So going to leave that in. <laughs> I love it. We got over 353 total watching live tonight on Twitch, YouTube, on Facebook, and elsewhere. Thank you so much. If you haven't hit subscribe to our channels yet, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, remember, if you are new, we are a live radio show, which is why we take commercial breaks here to time out with our radio stations that are carrying us. So I appreciate uh, your patience. Gary McGill, welcome to SOR Chat. Oh, hey, Clam. How you doing? And uh, who else is joining us late here? Everybody on Twitch during that raid. I'm sorry. I didn't know what a raid was, but thank you. Thank you for tuning us in. And I promise you one of these years I will learn how to use Twitch. Kawhi Snyder, how are you? And uh, Crystal J, thanks for coming on in. And uh, I'm just going to turn this over to Dirty Filth here for a couple of minutes. And I'm going to go check on my boy, Ross. You enjoy the suds. I'll be right back. We're just going to turn it over to Dirty Filth here. Well, excellent. Painting's almost done. And then 
once we put the ink on it, it all comes together. Cutting her clothes. Right, we are back in 90 seconds. Dirty filth, looking good, buddy. Looking good. Right. What do you mean, Dave? I'm just drying off the paper. You haven't even seen the drawing yet. What are you talking about? I've seen it. I know where you're going. I think I figured it out. DC, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, Hey, I'm going to Vegas in 2023. Me too. Bill Sardellis, welcome to SOR Chat. 
And who else do we have here? Uh, let's see. Uh, DC. Welcome to SOR chat. Australians don't drink Fosters, people. No, they don't. No, they don't. Very nice. Very nice. All right, we got about uh, 45 seconds. Thank you to W. Decker, Pam, and Catfish Times 2 for the Super Chats. Very much appreciate it. We've hit our low, Ross. We hit our low, minus 26 for tonight. She's damn, oh. <clears throat> she's damn cold outside. Uh, data derivations, how are you? Welcome. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, we're trying to get to... Th- 20,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We're just past uh, 19,610. We'd appreciate it if you hit subscribe to our channel on YouTube. And if you're listening over on Twitch, part of the raid, thank you so much. Guys, I I don't really know how Twitch works, but we're there anyways. So uh, here we go with hour number two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Zakuska. Zakuska is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam says the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Final half hour with Ross Coltart, journalist out of Australia. Need to Know is the name of his podcast with the amazing Bryce Zabel, who never has a hair out of place. And <laughs> I love Bryce Zabel, man. I, I do. He he is just, I mean, between you and him, you guys have one of the most professional podcasts that are out there right now regarding the subject of UFOs. And we've been talking about this subject all night long. I mean, are we ever going to see a time, Ross, where this subject truly does open up? I do think we will. I really do think we will. And it's funny because what we were talking about just before the break is is relevant to that. I, a few weeks ago, I had sitting right here in this room a, a pilot of a particular type of fighter jet from Australia's Air Force. And we were talking about things that he and his colleagues frequently see in the sky uh, and that they're not allowed to talk about, that they're discouraged from talking about, even today. And we don't have in Australia the mandate that your Secretary of Defence in the United States has basically um, brought in requiring pilots, demanding that they report anomalous UAP incidents. And we should have. And one of the problems that we have with the uh, Defence Department here is that the um, 
the chief of our Air Force, a chief air marshal, lovely bloke, he's now been replaced, Mill Hupfeld, he was actually quizzed at one stage about the report released in June last year by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence in the US, and he was asked whether or not he was aware of the report's findings and whether he was going to do any kind of investigation into UFOs. And basically, it was made very, very clear, even back then and more recently since, that the Air Force in Australia, at least, has no interest in investigating the phenomenon. Uh, It claimed that he hadn't seen any reports of unidentified aerial phenomena in Australian airspace, that he wasn't aware of any reports or information regarding UAPs, and that there's no attempt by the uh, Air Force to investigate this phenomenon. And the irony is, to answer your question, it doesn't really matter in the end what the head of the Air Force of Australia says, because his pilots are talking to people like me. They're upset. They're angry. Hey, it's Jan from Toyota, reminding you that Toyotathon is on and here to help make your holidays extra magical. How? Maybe it's driving in a Tacoma in search of the perfect hill to sled down. Or surprising loved ones in a RAV4 hybrid. You made it! (laughs) And seeing their faces light up when you pull up to their home. Dealer inventory may vary. Offers are subject to change throughout Toyotathon, which ends on January 3rd. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Toyota, let's go places. The all-new Mercury V10 Verado Outboards were built to power your greatest days. Days filled with memories of trophy catches and epic sunsets, with hours of laughter and miles of water to explore. At 350 or 400 horsepower, the new Verado Outboards combine extraordinary capabilities with premium refinements that make boating effortless. Everything you need to confidently pursue your greatest adventures. Mercury engines are made for exploring. So are you. Go boldly. Visit mercurymarine.com v10 that there is a phenomenon that they're encountering in their airspace that they perceive as a possible threat. Because, frankly, if you're flying a fighter jet at supersonic speed and you hit anything, whether it be bird, drone, or aircraft, or some kind of anomalous craft, you die. And these people are worried because these objects are showing stealth. One minute they're showing up on Uh, radar and the next minute they're not there. They have a capacity to flit across the sky in the blink of an eye. They're seeing exactly the same kind of phenomena that have been seen by US Navy pilots, not just off the western east coast of um, America, but also in the Middle East. And Australian pilots have seen those craft in the Middle East as well. So this is the very interesting thing. In the same way that the momentum for change and transparency has come in America, because pilots like Ryan Graves, like Alex Dietrichs, um, like Fravor, like Commander Fravor, they've had the courage to come forward and speak about what they saw and look at the result they've achieved. We're five years on, almost exactly, from that groundbreaking New York Times report in December of 2017 when Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal and Helene Cooper broke the story about the Pentagon's secret investigations into UFOs. And it was exactly at that time that the Times and TTSA, the Tom DeLong to the Stars Academy, and other newspapers and organisations reported on these anomalous objects that had been videoed in restricted airspace by extremely sophisticated sensors. And it's only because those pilots had the, the guts to come forward and speak candidly about what they saw that we're now 
five years on, talking about a report to Congress, which will hopefully be tabled within the next few days and released to the public, telling us about all of the UAPs seen in the previous year. We are, I believe, Dave, on the edge of momentous revelations. It might take a lot longer than we all hope or expect or demand, but I think eventually, yes, I'm positive we're going to get there. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they bring out the experiential side of it, because eventually it will lead to common people. Because right now we're only see- we're only allowed to use military pilots and commercial airline pilots as true experiencers of the phenomena that is going on. And yet there are millions of people around the world who've not only seen things, but, you know, believe they've had extraterrestrial or some sort of contact like that, which has been downplayed. And and I thought it was going to gain more momentum when people like, like Jim Semivan came out about his experiences and Elizondo was kind of leaning in not so many words about some of the things he has seen over time and, and we've seen these people starting to come out in public about their own personal stories of uh, of being a part of the the phenomena. And yet here we are, only allowed to talk about the military, only allowed to talk about commercial pilots. At some point, that conversation has to break open as well. Look, I think what's been going on is I think there's been a very clear effort to constrain the narrative. Uh, the people who are... Um, aware of this issue inside government, and there's only a very small number of them. I've actually spoken to a surprising number of people at very high levels in defence, aerospace, the military intelligence in your um, North America, and uh, and it's it's really interesting. A lot of them say, "Look, I don't know anything about this. It's complete news to me that we know anything about UAPs." And then every now and then, I'll meet somebody. Most of them are evasive and don't want to talk about it who admits that, yeah, well, you know, there is there is something there, and yes, we're a lot more aware of what we, we know than we're prepared to let on. And look, ultimately, it's going to come out. And on the experiencer issue, to be honest with you, <laughs> I've never known what to do about the experiencer issue. You know, I've got people emailing me, telling me that they've had encounters with craft where they've been taken on board craft where they've had direct encounters with aliens i mean we all know the story of um, jim semivan describing a hooded being in his bedroom that he and his wife were alarmed and indeed um, he's a bit vague on what exactly happened but you know physically assaulted by i mean this is scary stuff and um I guess for me as a journalist, as an investigator, I'm not in a position to be able to investigate that. I wasn't in the bedroom at the time. I didn't see the phenomenon that they saw. It makes it so much harder to investigate. But I'm not prepared to discount it for its reality. There are a lot of good people that I've spoken to who I don't think are psychotic or deluded, who are basically um, uh, aware of something that I don't understand. And I think the phenomenon manifests itself to certain types of people. I I, I think that um, whatever it is, it's intelligent. It's engaging with particular human beings and not often in a nice way. And I think that should be investigated. And that's why the kind of research that Professor Gary Nolan uh, is talking about is so important. Because, you know, we need to look at the psychological and physical effects of this phenomenon on human beings. 
There's a guy here in Australia that I talk to a lot, Damien Nott. I, I did a story about him from my last film. And the poor fellow's in his backyard filming, and whatever this object was, it descended and bathed him in dangerous radiation. And the symptoms that he now has, including incredibly fragile bones, um, horrible immune disease disorders, they are consistent with high levels of gamma radiation exposure. The poor fellow is ill. And his life has probably been shortened as a result of his exposure to whatever it was. Now, I think things like that should be being investigated. And we shouldn't be frightened of investigating them. And I wish I knew, I wish I could tell you and your listeners and viewers why, what's the definitive reason why they're reluctant to discuss this. I don't know what that definitive reason is. But I can speculate, and I think a large part of it is... Well, let's be honest, uh, uh, there's a huge problem with evangelical Christianity dominating a lot of the thinking inside the U.S. Air Force in particular. Um, uh, I've been aware for some time of news reports and um, insiders who've told me that you don't get advanced in the U.S. Air Force unless you espouse a really strict, strong Christian evangelical belief system. And part of that belief system, I think, is hostile to the notion of a non-human intelligence. You know, the idea that, that there might be other life forms that, that share this universe with us. And could it be, possibly, is it really the case that the reason why we're not being told is because there are a bunch of stiffs in brass and uniforms who, who don't want us to know because they're basically scared and concerned about what the public reaction will be to establishment religion if this information gets out. I I don't know. I really don't know. I, I like to think that people are better than that. But what I can tell you, and I know this from my own exchanges with people, there are people in senior levels in the US government in defence and intelligence who've taken me into their trust, who who believe that we will get these answers very soon. Uh, and when I say very soon, I mean within the next couple of years. Uh, I do think that humanity is about to learn that it is not alone. And, and, and I uh, agree with you on that. You know, uh, I, I wanted to say this. As someone who has been up close and personal to a UFO landing back in 2014, I understand the fear that goes along with that. I understand the concern that you have when when you are watching something right in front of you happen and it's not supposed to exist. It's not supposed to be real. And it changed my life. I don't even know if it was for the better. But, you know, you, you bring up a good point. And this reminds me of, of the time where right before the announcement of the To the Stars Academy, Tom DeLong tried to purchase the statistics of people from the free experiencers group because tom was all about the we got to put nuclear weapons up in space they're afraid of our nukes we got to protect our planet they're, the aliens are coming to get us he said all of that on on the joe rogan podcast and yet the free experiencers statistics showed otherwise where 80 percent plus of the people would love to continue their interactions with extraterrestrials and you know I, I'm very happy that Renario Hernandez did not sell those statistics to Tom because I think they would have been buried. I really do think they would have been buried. 
you know, it's funny. I was just laughing to myself as I was hearing you say that you, you yourself have had your own personal encounter with a UFO because probably, I don't know, five years ago, I would have thought you were a complete crazy person, Dave. You know, I would have laughed at you and just gone, this is just such complete bullshit. You know, this guy is a lunatic. And the, um, the hilarious thing is that we've all come so far in five years since that December 2017 New York Times report. You know, it's the anniversary coming up of quite a momentous time in history. I think Very it true. will be remembered. And um, I think at some stage there's going to have to be a reckoning. You know, um, I've noticed I'm following at the moment and some people on the uh, debunking platforms online have been having a go at me for even giving him airtime. There's a chap called John Ramirez who is, I'm sure, ex-CIA, ex-GS15, which is the highest bureaucratic position you can get to as a top bureaucrat in the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency. And he's been making some quite astonishing comments about... Businesses need to think beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business find more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll, ADP, always designing for people. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com abductions, implants, uh, the U.S. government's awareness of certain things. And it's interesting because a lot of people have basically said to me, why are you even giving this guy air? Why, why are you feeding what he says? Because really, even though he did work for the CIA, he's made it clear that a lot of what he's talking about is uh, his own personal judgments since he left that organization. And frankly, when you actually listen to him, as I've done, and if you actually bother to actually transcribe, as I've done, what he's saying, he quite clearly on occasion talks about the fact that he's getting what he says vetted by the CIA. The CIA is checking what he says. I know it's not authorizing what he says, but they're making sure that he doesn't breach national security. I don't buy the idea that somebody who's worked at a senior level in an organization like that, who's making claims about experiences, implants, hybrid aliens, the fact that we share DNA apparently with the people that were recovered from the Roswell craft. These are extraordinary claims. And all I'm saying, all I've ever said is that these things need to be investigated. Why is there this reluctance by national media to engage with this subject matter, albeit strange and confronting and sometimes almost ridiculous, when you've got senior people like Jim Simavan. I mean, I know a lot about Jim Simavan that's not public. I mean, this guy, he was in the Directorate of Operations of the CIA. They're, they're the James Bonds of the CIA. You know, this is a guy who coordinated some of the most important and sensitive intelligence operations for the world's biggest intelligence agency everywhere in the world. Um, and it's interesting because, as I think um, Nicole has actually observed, who's listening, you know, the CIA was responsible for a lot of the smears against experiences, and she's absolutely right. There has been. There's been a smear directed against people who claim to have had these experiences. 
how do we deal with the fact that there's now a former very senior, extremely senior, incredibly well-informed CIA person like Jim Semivan and John Ramirez, who are basically saying, this is real. I've had these experiences. I know this stuff. I know it's real. I think it's time for mainstream media to get off its haughty high horse and actually take a look at this. And if they can prove that it's all BS and ridiculous, great. Let's move on. Let's get on with the next mystery. Let's figure out what happened to JFK. But look, the reality is um, we can't ignore this stuff anymore. It's fundamentally important because it goes to questions of who we are as human beings. Uh, a lot of people I talk to keep on re reverting to consciousness. They talk about how the key to all of this is consciousness. And I, I have no bloody idea what they're talking about. I really do try to understand this, but I suspect part of what they're talking about is the notion that for us to understand this issue and for humanity to even begin to engage to understand it, we have to open our minds to the possibility that we're not alone. And that is the big difference that I think we're confronted with. And I do think in the next few weeks, we might see the beginning of a rollout. And I think 2023 in particular is going to be a momentous year. And I think it will too. But I mean, we the problem is we need people like you and like me in the mainstream getting the message out a little bit clearer. And we need our colleagues to jump on the bandwagon a little bit more to start asking some tough questions rather than, is it little green men? Is it swamp gas? You know, we need some proper questioning to bring this out. Well, have you, have you noticed how the current ridicule default of a lot of the people in authority is to go, oh, yeah, they're just talking about little green men. You know, no, you know no, nobody's talking about little green men. Nobody's talking about aliens. I, I don't know if it's alien. I mean, a lot of people are suggesting to me it might be us from the future. Um, I frankly don't know. And that's the vexing thing. And this is the this is the thing that I find just absolutely extraordinary, Dave, is that we have a mystery, a confounding mystery. And humans love mysteries. And it's acknowledged as a real mystery by the United States government. It can't solve it, it claims. And it wants us to engage with it and understand it. And frankly, it involves a technology that is intelligently controlled, that's doing hypersonic maneuvers, incredible speeds. It's stealthy. It's got transmedium capabilities. It's been in orbit. It's been under the ocean. It's been in our air. And whatever it is, it doesn't have any visible propulsion system. Is it using anti-gravity? Now, that's a mystery that while we go on with our humdrum lives and the poor people of Ukraine get bombed in just utterly barbarian warfare, we're back to trench warfare in the first decade, uh, first two decades of the, um, first three decades of the uh, 21st century. I, I can't believe it that we are so brutal to each other that we're trying to resolve issues and conflicts by fighting each other with war, artillery. And in the midst of all of this, the government of the United States has effectively conceded the likelihood that what we're talking about is a non-human intelligence in our midst. I think, for one, that's a very exciting mystery, and it's worth investigating. 
and we only have about two minutes left with you tonight, Ross, before we have to say good night. In the next, the report, as you said, you're expected to come out on this. How much of that do you expect to be within public purview? How much are we going to get? I don't think we're going to get very much at all. Um, One of the things that I think is very conspicuous about the way in which the Pentagon has conducted its inquiries is they've tried to start from 2004, the USS Nimitz incident. And I think that was very deliberate. I think that um, if there have been crash retrievals, they happened many decades ago. And I think that there's been a, a really determined effort to try to not discuss the issue of crash retrievals. And just in line with what Nicole was uh, saying in the comments, yes, the CIA and other agencies have run ridicule campaigns and attacks on anybody who talks about crash retrievals. And we're now beyond that because I think there is pretty compelling evidence that there's something to this crash retrieval story. And I think it needs to be investigated. And I think the Congress is going to find out. But I don't know for sure that it's going to be revealed from out from inside the skiffs, the sensitive compartmentalised information facilities, the secure rooms where Congress committees like the House Intelligence Committee or the Senate Intelligence Committee or the Armed Services Committee get to hear this stuff. I think there's a problem that we may in fact be kept in the dark on crash retrievals and technology that was recovered because they don't want to give away the crown jewels. That's too big a secret. But I do think there's a good possibility we're going to be told about the existence, the reality of a non-human intelligence. And I think that might come very soon. 20 seconds. Please let everybody know where they can find the Need to Know podcast with you and Bryce Abel. Uh, We're on YouTube. We're also online, www.needtoknow.today. And that's myself and Bryce Zabel. And you can also read my book, in plain sight, which I can also, I'm pleased to announce, will be re-released in 2023 as an updated new edition. Beautiful. Ross Coltart, professional journalism at its best right there. When we return on Spaced Out Radio, I want your questions from the audience in our chat rooms about what you think about Ross's comments. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. That was a lot of good information. A lot of good information. Thank you, Ross. I know you ducked out. He's got uh, family uh, things that he needs to take care of. Let's check you out here, Dirty Filth. On the subject of aliens, yes, they are real. The alien craft are from outer space and of a... Hold on, that's redacted, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. End of an origin. Trust us. Sorry about that. None. Gee whiz. I, I can't I can't see the words now. Oh boy. It's redacted anyways. <sighs> Michael Wright, welcome to SOR Chat. Jeff Perry, good to have you back. Hi, Robin McRae. We love you. We got another 90 minutes on the show here, so we'd love it if all of you guys stuck around. Maybe this is your first time tuning us on in. Don't forget to give us a a thumbs up, subscribe. Gary Osborne, how you doing, man? Good to have you here. It appears that 
future us sent back information into the past to have an impact on the present. Hmm. Time travel at its best. Ian McFadden, how are you? Deb from SAC, welcome back. And... Yes, I need someone to manage my my Twitch channel for sure. We definitely need that. That's beautiful there, Dirty Filth. Beautiful. You like that little border that goes around it? That is a beautiful... Takes away from the dirtiness, though. Oh, it's filthy. But that's what... It's filthy. Completely filthy. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com today. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at AppleVacations.com. Thank you, Real Mom Skater or Skateer on Twitch. Uh, hold on. What the hell is going on here? I got to. Give me a second here. What are you doing, Dave? I'm trying to uh, also set up the news for Shirky Poo's news as well. I got a lot going on during the show here, you know. It's not just about, uh, you know, washing the rhubarb out of the garden, you know. That's disgusting. I can't stand rhubarb. Well, we finally agree on something. Despite how you incorrectly say some words, but... Look, it's foyer. It's not foyer, okay? It's foyer. Nope. You're just wrong. You are just wrong. Penny Van wants all the rhubarb. Sackage and Penny Van can have all the rhubarb. Have at it, ladies. Good God. Alleyweed, that's what I call it, because it grows in alleyways. Maybe I just had to eat so much of it when I was a, a wee lad. My grandmother's like, just put sugar on it. It tastes good. I'm like, Ugh. It's not good, Dave. I agree with you on that. Rhubarb's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Even YJ says it's foyer. That's too bad for him, too. But, <coughs> I mean, I drink all the pickle juice before I eat the pickles, so I can't really say too much. Well, you are a pickle juice kind of guy. I like pickle juice. It's healthy for you. 
It'll keep me preserved for a long time when I'm dead. Yeah, we're going to throw your art in pickle juice, too. But in Ziplocs first. I don't think we're going to be allowed to have Ziploc bags for very much longer here in Canada, Dave. Sorry. Gordon Trainer, welcome to SOR Chat. Uh, uh, if you guys have questions that you want uh, answered, because literally I'm opening up uh, all of this to you guys uh, for your questions here the next half hour. So please put them in capital letters and let's get the uh, uh, th everything going here. Big thank you to Human Carl, to Catfish Times 2, Pam and W. Decker for the amazing super chats. We very much appreciate it. And uh, we want to make sure that we have an exciting next half hour talking about this. Okay. Uh, so line up your questions. I will get to them and answer them for you the best that I can. And let's make this happen. Uh, if you haven't yet, please hit us uh, with a subscribe and um, ring the bell. We're here seven days a week for you on this show. And here we go, everyone. We pass a halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight as we've had to say goodnight to Ross Coltart, who brought together a plethora of information regarding everything that is going on within the UFO world. And, and you know, the more and more we look at this, ladies and gentlemen, we have to look at it as this being one of the biggest cover-ups in human history. I don't think there's any way to put it. Now, a lot of people will say, gee, Dave, that's that's a little emotional, don't you think? That's a little that's a little on the way to to whatever it may be. I don't think so. The information is there that something is happening and going on. And that's why if you've been listening to this show the last four to six months, we have been really pushing very, very hard to let you know what kind of crap they are come that is coming out of NASA. Serious crap. If anybody knows there's a cover-up, it's NASA. And listening to Ross today, he's not buying the stories. He's not buying Bill Nelson going around talking about the Navy pilots. Why would Bill Nelson, of all people, Talk about the Navy pilots. What good does that do for all of us? Right? It does It does us nothing. It does us absolutely nothing 
because in the end, his job is NASA. His job is to let us know what does NASA know about unidentified flying objects. And he's dodging the question. When all, all one journalist has to do, whether it's CNN, whether it's Fox News, whether it's NBC, ABC, CBS, or any other news outlet in the United States has to do, is ask him the simple question, Bill, have you opened up your own closet to see what's there? Because history shows that your rockets and your astronauts have encountered unidentified aerial phenomena since Gemini 60-plus years ago. Let's open up the conversation. Ross wants to do it. I want to do it. Maybe what has to happen is a lot of times these government agencies, when they hold press conferences, they also have press that are there on a hotline. Maybe somebody like us has to get involved in that hotline, in that media line, where we can ask that question. We can ask that question. Maybe that's what we have to do. Let's get to some of your questions here so far. Let's start with Gordon. Is there any possibilities of alien crashes being caused from other aliens? This is what was actually thought about what happened in 1947 in Roswell. They believe that there were a couple of alien craft that were flying into New Mexico or over the sky of New Mexico, and somehow there was either an elect- a combination of an electrical storm and the amount of radar that was being pumped into the sky at that time that may have screwed with these UFO flying. And it is believed by many, including Stanton Friedman, that these two UFOs crashed together. They collided in midair, one crashing at Roswell in Corona, New Mexico, the other one crashing at San Augustine, which was found a couple of days later. And Stanton Friedman was a very, very large large uh, proponent of these two crashes happening at the same time. And many people, including Gerald Anderson, who is a five-year-old witness to this, where he was out looking for for agates and, and, and rocks with his father and his cousin and his uncle at the time, when they came across the crash, he remembered touching the ship. He remembered seeing alien bodies, including one that was still alive. I mean, this is this is something that is very huge. Now, Gerald has since, I believe, passed away, you know, and many others who were researching that case had uh, passed away as well. So it is something that could be possible, Gordon, that UFOs and crash retrievals have happened because of their own accidents. And look, we can't think that these these craft, okay, that these craft are are if they're piloted by an extraterrestrial species, that they're not going to have an oops every now and again. Even our own fighter pilots have an oops every now and again and make a mistake and it costs them an aircraft, possibly their lives. 
It happens every year. Right? So, why couldn't it happen with aliens? Let's go to Jeremy here. Doesn't it change literally life as we ever known it? Of course it does. Of course it does. Look, if you remember my last show with Lou Elizondo earlier this year, I asked him point blank, did the U.S. government or did your the alphabet agencies really study people during COVID to see how they would react in a worldwide situation? And Elizondo honestly answered it, yes, we were monitoring it. Because they wanted to know, they wanted to know how would people react to a world situation like aliens. And COVID was a perfect example of this. They literally watched humanity at its worst. They really did. Stealing milk from people, going to the store, buying you know, 2,000 rolls of toilet paper at a time, going to the meat sections and ra- raiding the meat sections. Hell, at my grocery stores here, we're, we're a year, you know, we're almost a year out of COVID here, okay, even though it's still around. But there are still certain sections. That you can't get things. They're already sold out before they hit the shelves, like children's medicine. Why? Why isn't there enough? There should be. There's plenty being made. Right? So, yes, they were watching the way people were treating other people. They are worried about the economy. They're worried about the religious aspects of people. Because some people aren't going to be able to handle it. They're worried about people who suffer from depression, anxiety, thinking it's the end of the world as we know it. And we got to get the guns out and fire at these these UFOs who are coming to get us, according to Tom DeLong. Yeah. Thanks, Tom, for the fear-mongering. We appreciate that. Now tell us you really didn't start the TTSA. Let's just be honest. Right? If aliens come, invest in milk, and invest in toilet paper companies. That's it. That's all you got to do. Moving on here. Joe from California. If Dave were a pickle, what kind of pickle would he be? Hmm. I don't know where this question's coming from. Probably due to the conversation Dirty Filth and I were having during the break about how he drinks the pickle juice before he eats the pickles inside. A little backwards to me. I wait till all the pickles are done before I drink the pickle juice. But dirty filth is a little weird that way. Let's see. I don't know. I really enjoy those little those little sweet pickles. You know, those little cocktail pickles that you can get. I like those. Those are my favorite. You know? And why is a pickle a pickle? Totally off topic. But why is a pickle a pickle when realistically it's a it's a small cucumber? Why do we have to give it a different name just because it goes in water, garlic, and onions, and dill? Think about that for a second. 
All it is is marinated cucumbers. That's what a pickle is. So why do we have to have two names for it? Why can't we just call it marinated cucumbers? Let's go to Monica. Uh, this was a question for Ross, but he is, uh, he's gone for the night. What is happening that is telling you that things will come very, very soon? Well, Ross has a number of sources that are very highly tied into the United States government, that are tied into other governments around the world, and, you know, as well as people in the CIA and the alphabet agencies that are talking to him. See, the one thing about journalists like Ross is literally 90% of their job is literally talking on the phone or talking to people. All right? That's his job. The 10% is what goes on air. Now, where people get frustrated on how journalism works or is supposed to work is a lot of these people who you gain information from do not want to go on the record. They don't want to go on the record at all. Why? Because they're afraid of their jobs. They're afraid of repercussions. They're afraid of losing their pensions. They're afraid of a number of different things. Retribution, especially on the governmental military side, can be extremely detrimental to one's health and future and future employment. So a lot of the information that Ross gets, he can only say it anecdotally if he's been given permission to do so. That is where he gets into trouble because people are like, come on, spill the beans. Well, he can't. It's, 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 a, it's a big game. It's a big dance being a journalist because you don't want to give up your sources who are providing high-quality information to what they are doing. And sometimes you have to protect them. That's your job. There's been journalists over the years when journalism was really journalism that journalists would go to jail for not giving up their sources in a particular case. So in regards to what is coming, his sources are telling him that the report should be coming out within the next week or two, maybe as early as next week, and that realistically, we're not going to get much. We're not going to get much at all. Most of it's going to be redacted or kept behind closed doors. There will be a report. We are going to be underwhelmed once again, much like expecting a race car from Santa Claus and getting socks. And that's the way it's going to be. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to put up with it. We're all going to have to whine and complain. We're all going to have to bitch and moan. And we will. We're good at that. So, we're going to see where it comes from. And that's it. We can only go. And sometimes, guys, our sources are going to be wrong. They are going to be wrong. We can't help that. They are just people passing on information. We just need to know. We just need to know what is going to happen. Give us a clue. Give us a hint. You know, give us something. 
You always hear me say, come on, I need the juice. You know, when I'm talking to Science Bob or Nicole or, or someone else in the know that I talk to for my information, come on, give me the juice, man. Give me some juice here. I need it. Thirsty. Yeah, I'm thirsty for it. I, I want to know as much as you guys do. I may have a radio show regarding these topics, but first and foremost, I am an experiencer. I want to know what that UFO was on the ground. I want to know about the aliens in the forest. Why I've been taken since. I don't know. Is it all connected? Is the phenomena all one, which I believe it is? I hope so. Right? Uh, SB Misfits question. Why do you think Ross has been quiet lately? Frustrated? I think we're all a little frustrated. I think we are all a little aghast of what is going on because we are in this circular rotation of news. Like we said right off the bat of the show. Now we're talking Chinese drones again. Are you kidding me? Chinese drones? When it took so long for us to finally get away from that and start talking about experiencers? That's right. I think the frustration comes from the fact that there's a lot of games being played. Nobody wants to give up the information. And with the United States Navy coming out a few weeks ago and saying, we're not playing the game anymore. You're not getting any more videos. We're not doing this. There's a brawl that could happen in Washington, D.C. between the the politically elected and the U.S. military. And frankly, it probably does need to happen. It probably does. Look, I'm not saying that the U.S. military shouldn't be keeping secrets. Okay? Every military in the world does. Okay? There are certain things that we need to know. Probably a lot that we don't want to know. But the one thing that we can be certain is, tell us about aliens. Tell us, do you have crash retrievals? And this is where I always come back. I know I sound like a broken record on this, but this is where I always come back to the fact that I real I I am in de- I'm in what's the word I'm looking for? I am in deep understanding and belief that there is a Pandora's box of UFO news that they are trying to cover up, not for the sake of the American public or the people of the world, but for the sake of their own embarrassment. What would happen if in that Pandora's box there was a list of names of people who've been taken? How would you like to be, say, Joe or Jill American and find out that your government knows that you have been an alien abductee for the last 20 years? How did they find out? What if Eisenhower... Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. 
It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR collection resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com did make contact with aliens and traded humans for technology. You don't have to believe it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. What about Bob Lazar? What about the crashes at Shag Harbor, Roswell, Aztec, Travis Walton, Betty Andreessen and family, Betty and Barney Hill, Calvin Parker, They are all in the game. They are all in the game. In the run for better technology. Now, when I met with my source, who used to work at Area 51 this past summer, when I was coming back from MUFON in Denver, the one thing that he said to me was this that I found very intriguing. They have seen strange lights over Area 51. The majority of lights that the public sees are what's being tested. And then the one part that really scared me about that entire conversation was when he said, we don't care about stealth technology anymore. We're not worried about the Russians. We're not worried about the Chinese because they are just getting into stealth technology. We're 20, 30 years ahead of that, 40 years ahead of that. We have stuff way better. What that stuff is, he wouldn't tell me. But here's what he did tell me. He goes, that technology, at least once a month on these craft, are tested over the city of Las Vegas and over the city of Los Angeles, where these, I'm going to call them stealth, but they're not stealth, fighter jets, actually do simulated bombing runs on the city above the city while you're going from casino to casino or from movie to movie in Los Angeles and nobody knows it's happening. You can't hear the jet. You can't see the jet. And they and the entire reason for that testing is to try and see how quickly the military branches react to it. So if you take Las Vegas, right at the end of the Las Vegas Strip, by a number of miles, you get, you will run into Nellis Air Force Range, which is the biggest Air Force base in the United States, continental United States. And when their radars are not picking up these craft that are doing simulated bombing runs and missile attacks along the Las Vegas Strip at night, that's scary. Scary and very real of what's going on. Follow-up from SB Misfits. Dave, whose info do you trust the most? Science Bob, Grant, Ross, Lou, Mellon? I trust Ross Coltart. I trust Grant Cameron. I trust Science Bob when he's focused. 
And I love it when he's focused because he could say some pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Okay. I think with Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon, I think you have to learn to read between the lines. It's kind of like if you're a parent and you know your your child has has gone through the kitchen cupboards and has flour all over them and you look him in the face, did you get into the flour? And they're looking at you saying, "No." Well, you're covered in flour. Did you get into the flour? No. That's a conversation with Elizondo and Mellon. But what they are telling you is the story between the lines. They want you to read between the lines and find all the Easter eggs that they have dropped in the UFO community to show that this phenomena is very, very real. That's what we need. So can you trust what Mellon and Elizondo say? I think you can. But... You really have to search for the answers to find out what they're truly saying before you can. Let's get to one final question here. Gordon is asking, could countries be making viruses as an outer space race warfare? Absolutely, they could. Absolutely. When in doubt, make a virus. We got enough people on this planet to test it upon. Let's shut her down for another few months. What the hell? <laughs> Hey, I don't know. I really don't know. I would say it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility because in the next 50 to 100 years, by the time all of you who are listening, myself included, are dead and buried or cremated, there's going to be a lot of intrigue into making money in space. Tell your children now, people, to invest in space programs because by the time they hit our ages, they're probably going to be filthy rich if they take part in all of this that's going on. Seriously, it's a good investment. Coming up after the break, we're going to hit hour number three. We're going to head to the swamp. Swamp Dweller is going to be with us. Thank you for your questions in that last half hour, by the way. Then, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio has the cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night, Shirky Poo's news. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. And a lot of new faces coming on in. Do me a favor. Still 306 people watching on YouTube, 330 overall. Uh, thank you for that, everyone. Really appreciate it. I am just going to step away. I'm going to go uh, check on my son who is sleeping upstairs. Uh, yes, I do believe Lou is a remote viewer. Yes, I do. And I will be right back here, guys. So please bear with me. Don't go anywhere. We got one hour left. I'm going to turn it over to the dirt man right now so he can show you all his cool cards. That'll be in Vegas. Take it. I'm I'm taking them to Vegas apparently. No, I'm that. Yeah, you find me. I'll give you cartoons. I got a ton of them. Keeping space in my house here. I like this one, the Mongolian Deathworm. Who doesn't like a Mongolian Deathworm? 
The ceiling collects rocks. Got a Mothman. It's like trading cards, except they have value. Because they don't have trading cards anymore. You can't go to the store and plug a quarter into the machine and push it in and four cards come out. After you bought smokes for your mom and you're like six years old and the Coca-Cola or whatever. That's how we used to do it back in Canada back in the day. This one actually. I think I'm going to keep that one. I just like the colors and the drippingness of it. Cityscape, Shoggoth, Triangle, Tic Tac. Probably if you put a Tic Tac in your mouth, your head would explode. Carl's Multi Pass. Always have a Multi Pass. Stay out of the fridge. Dave's Aquatic Nightmare. I don't like the ocean. I don't like water either. Alberta Sloughs are okay. I can swim out of that kind of seaweed stuff. There's a night flight. Across the trees. Visual depiction of this group of planets somewhere. More triangles. More triangles. Yes. Oh, gods. <clears throat> but we also have these nice small things here. A little Shoggoth. A little plant. A robot. Another plant. Spiky plant. More plants. They're just easy to draw. This is kind of a meteorite. It's probably wrong. Bow and arrow. Clunk someone. Galaxy multi-pass. You can use that to get... This sucker gets you... That one gets you 10 free plays in Vegas. And that's uh, another plant. A bonk. More plants. I just whip these suckers up real quick out of the blue. Plants. Plants. More bonking. Plant with triangle, of course. More plants. Tic Tac. Just love that neon pinky purple thing. Of course, triangle in there. Test the coil. Cityscape. Oop, a shank. And then more plants. More plants. Basically, I got a million plants in my house, and they spill over into my drawings. There's an obelisk. I read some Robert E. Howard stories. Whip that sucker up. And plant, smaller version of the solar system, the ooze jar. I'm saving that if I can find a Ninja Turtle fan for sure. And then another plant. Oh, what else do I got here? Uh, might as well plug my cartoons and junk. Bloody hell. Anyways, cryptic cartoons. Go to uh, Amazon.com or Filthy.com. Buy my stuff so I can buy pizza and continue drawing cartoons and give my cats cat snacks. Everything's available at Filthy.com with Wise, including my new calendar, which is already out. I bought my own calendar, by the way, so I can stick it on my wall and people come over and can play right, Yep. We got about a minute to go. 
filthy.com. Where can they find your calendar? Set it and forget it, filthy.com. That's copyright infringement. I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's That's beautiful. what happens. You leave me here for 12 to 13 minutes alone. Oh, I hear you. You are dangerous, my friend. You are completely dangerous. Where's Blob tonight? Yep. Everybody's piled on to the uh, heat registers because it's minus 9,000 in Edmonton. I got minus 26 here. What are you at? I couldn't tell you. I don't have a... I don't know where my phone is. I lost it. Hold on. It's not important anyways. What's the temperature in Edmonton? You're minus, Ask Vaughn Patrick. He knows. You're minus 23 before wind chill. That's not bad. As long as it's not windy, we're good. Yeah. T-shirt weather, weather till minus 30. Yeah, pretty much. Then is it, yeah. All right, we got 10 seconds. Thank you to Human Carl, Catfish Times 2, Pam, and W. Decker. And here we go with the third hour, everyone. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Well, let's take a look. Zakuska. Zakuska is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. Alright, let's do this thing, shall we? This happened to my roommate and me two years ago when we drove into the National Forest just outside of our town. We go to a small college in New England, about three hours from any major city. For context, the forest has quite a few urban legends, and the local community has many superstitions about being safe while in there, although they go there very often. I had just broken up with my partner, and my roommate could sense that I was feeling down. Finals were just around the corner, 
so she decided to help me get my mind off things and suggested we go to a nice spot she had found last week and chill and de-stress. So we took a couple of beers and drove down to this secluded forest. Then we left the main asphalt road in the woods. I saw some things that unsettled me. You could see the abandoned houses of a ghost town from higher ground the route was on. And we saw this old doll hanging from a rope on a tree. Creepy stuff, but I didn't give a second thought about driving forward. We got to a clearing, parked our car behind some trees, popped open the back of our SUV, and started talking and playing music. Somewhere around 10 minutes into this, two cars appeared from the road and parked in the clearing as well. My friend didn't pay them any attention. Instead, she kept talking, but as I was facing them from where I sat, I couldn't stop seeing what they did. A guy popped out of each car talked for a few minutes, and then I saw them take out a long object covered in dark plastic bags from the back of one of their cars. This is when I noticed these guys had guns, and not like shotguns which I often see in this town, but handguns. Then they started lighting the bag on fire. I told my friend to get down and she turned around and saw them for the first time. Black smoke was rising from the bag and between trying to keep my head down and steal glances at them. I saw them take out a second object and heard them shoot at it right before they set it on fire. I don't know how long my friend and I were lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let that terror sink in and whisper to each of us. I don't know how long my friend and I were actually lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let the terror sink in. We tried to whisper to each other how much we loved each other in case this was what we thought it was. At some point, I looked up and saw that they were pointing at our car and saw them walking into the woods, maybe trying to follow our tracks, trying to look for us. Right then, I told my friend to jump into the driver's seat and make a run for it. I shut the back door, and between that and the car starting up, the guys heard it and started running towards us. They then ran towards one of their cars and hopped in. We went over a hill, driving away above what was safe for dirt roads on a hillside, and eventually we lost them. We moved to a neighboring town and roamed to ensure no one was following us before we went back to our dorm. That day, we tried to make fun of the whole situation and got drunk before finally breaking down and crying from knowing we had seen something we were not supposed to. We were terrified of telling anyone, but eventually we did tell the officers on campus who contacted the police, but we never found or heard anything again. Oh, the Swamp Dweller, putting great stories out for us each and every night as he kicks off Hour number three, Monday through Friday on this show. We love the Swamp Dweller, and I know you do too, because I read the comments. And I got to tell you, if you want more, head on over to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, and you can listen to thousands of stories for free. Just hit that subscribe button. Speaking of the man, the myth, and the legend, here comes Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, who's here for the Cryptid Report. Big Bad Super Duke coming on in to tell us another spooky stories. That's what he does around here, Duke. It's always good to have you back, my man. Good to be back again. Thanks for being my uh, host on my own show last weekend. Really appreciate that. Got a great turnout for it. Everybody was wondering where you were because you were in chat. Naughty Dave. But they thought you might be, so they kept saying hi, Dave. Anyway, well, uh, I, I, like I, had I said, good, had great turnout. I had a good reason, though, Duke. 
I had okay. A, I had a good reason, and that's because I was out of town meeting my grandson. Wow. That's fun. So, next time. Well, anyway, like I said, went well. Hopefully get some more people over here realizing that I'm actually on this show twice a week doing encrypted report, which for the most part stuff does not get repeated on my own channel. So this is different content than what you're going to get over on my channel and vice versa. If your listeners over here, uh, I'm not repeating the same stuff on my channel. So go check it out. But yep, we got uh, almost 2000 views in the first 24 hours before YouTube throttled it. <laughs> oh, nice. Yep. Yep. And, um, Hammerson Peters, uh, one of your own confederates from up there in British Columbia, who is one of the really great archivist uh, mythology researcher guys up there, not only turns out books, but has his own really cool YouTube channel. He's doing a whole series of different areas up in British Columbia nearby it, and what exactly are the local reports from the natives there and their legends of what cryptids lived there. And uh, he brought up... Uh, mountain giants and i left them a little comment saying uh, hey if you know speaking of giants you might want to check out this thing that i just released and so he checked out the show that we did and he left some comments back about that and i said well here's now that you did the latest one he did is on fraser valley sightings and they're talking about mountain giants up there and of course i'm mr mountain giant guy so I left him a link to the, my favorite show that I ever did on Mountain Giants, which was actually on Sasquatch Chronicles, and has now broken the uh, the, the big threshold, and it got 502,000 views, so it's gone over half a million views on YouTube. So practically everybody in the universe has seen it already, except for maybe he hasn't, so I left him a link. <laughs> you might want to look at this one, and maybe you need to do some more updates. But what he does is really good. And one of the things that he did recently was now talking about this um, issue with this gentleman, Andrew, who had apparently filmed a, a giant on a mountain ridge and then went through a whole bunch of other weird things which he documented on TikTok and then subsequently died mysteriously all of a sudden and all looking very suspicious and everything. Well, he's near this area, and this had been going on since summer, and he got you know, wind of it while the guy was still turning out video. So he went through that area himself, drove through there on the same road the guy apparently had filmed the giant from, Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com today. To remember what he said correctly was Yellowknife and tried to see if he could get a view of the same mountain ridge to see if there was anything on it or not. And when he was there, unfortunately, the top of the mountain was covered in clouds. So he could not prove or disprove that this gentleman had actually filmed anything. He did, however, note that from a little bit different angle, 
looking from a known vantage point, if you look at that same ridge, there is a huge uh, transmitter antenna on it, which looks very similar to the object that he was filming and saying was a giant. But again, this is from a different angle. So unless you can get to that section of road when there's no clouds on the mountain and film, we don't know 100% for sure. But there were some other things in there that he picked apart that didn't seem to add up. And then he brought up the fact that um, the gentleman who died mysteriously, uh, his girlfriend went on TikTok and did a whole video about it and said, no, he was just pulling people's leg. You know, this was all made up. And uh, he had always been depressed. And, you know, that's why suicide <clears throat> which is apparently what happened to him. So now the question is, did this guy actually make all this stuff up or didn't he? And the best way we can know is for somebody to get out on this road, like I said, apparently yellow knife, and find the ridge on this mountain and film it and see if there's a antenna sticking up or not. And if there isn't, then maybe there was something there. But some of the other things, like he had a big structure that was supposedly up on this peak that he had filmed a couple weeks later. And that structure actually is on the peak of a nearby mountain a few miles away, uh, which is visible from a town over there. So again, you know, Hammerson Peters, hats off, did really great research on this. And it's leaning toward probably was fake. On the other hand, <laughs> you know, if I was the girlfriend of somebody that just got off by the deep state, I'd be on camera right away going, yeah, he was suicidal. It was all fake. So, you know, do your own research, make what you will of that. Well, you know what, we'll, we'll soon see because I don't think that that story is much of uh, uh, for going away here anytime soon. I really don't. I think there's a lot of intrigue on that. Really is yeah. a lot of intrigue. Well, I got to say, one of the other things that he brought up was um, they were talking about possible incident of a Bigfoot being shot back in the 1800s, really old picture, one tied up lying in the snow with a snowshoe next to it that happened up in British Columbia. And it's hard to identify what the animal is because really low quality picture. But the question was, is there actual suppression of Sasquatch and stuff going on up in that part of the country? Was there any reason for it to happen? Did it actually happen? And uh, Bob Gimlin, that's Gimlin of a Y, actually tackled that on his channel and did a real in-depth look at it. And now uh, Hammerson Peters took a look at the subject and looked at what Gimlin said and said, well, his first theory completely threw that out the window because fur trapping was different up here than it was down there in uh, the United States where fur trappers were intruding on Indian territory and where they weren't allowed to be. And in Canada, they were actually buying the pelts from the Indians most of the time. So there wasn't any of this, you know, kind of obnoxious behavior the mountain men were getting into down here in the lower 48. So that one completely doesn't hold water. But on the other hand, with the the, the two different um, trapping companies sort of melding and becoming one at a certain point, and then they were having disputes over who actually was going to be in control of British Columbia because Manifest Destiny. <clears throat> and before the United States gobbled it up, they declared it a province. <laughs> yeah, we call that so, we we call that fifty four forty or bust, and mm -hmm. it, it was a big bust. Let's just be honest. Two and zero, oh, buddy. <laughs> Two and zero. Oh. Uh, let's just face it. We didn't want British Columbia anyway. It's full of Sasquatch and nasty cryptids and all the golds in Alaska. We already had that. Yeah, but you still had to come through <laughs> us to get there. No, that's what boats are for. See, that's how we got here to this continent in the first place. Boats. You Canadians keep forgetting about that. Yeah, but then you had to deal with the Cadborosaurus. <laughs> you know, actually, there was an interesting article I was reading not too long ago that somebody that was an uh, 
insider was talking about the government trying to stay ahead of cryptid problems and get rid of them when necessary, just because they don't want people to know they're there. And that at some point back in the, somewhere between the late sixties and the early seventies, they had actually done a bunch of research in all of these um, subarctic belt lakes, which tends to be where all these reports come from. Nessie, Stussy, Ogopogo, they're all about the same distance from the North Pole, interestingly enough. And they had gone through all the lakes across Canada, and, and any of them that had legends of sea monsters in, they had gone through to check and see if there actually was anything in there. And in some cases, it actually exterminated them. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. You know, I mean, these creatures, whatever they are, and and I'm not a, and I will say this: there there was another uh, apparent uh, uh, Ogopogo sighting here recently again, but I'm I'm not convinced that Ogopogo is actually or truly a sea monster. I still believe that Ogopogo is a uh, how can I put it? Is a giant white sturgeon. That's what I believe Ogopogo is. That's just me. I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay, but that's just me. Well, sturgeons do live a long time and get absolutely ginormous. The biggest ones they've ever caught were over in Lake Bacall in Russia. And they got one that was like some 3,000 pounds or some ridiculous oh, yeah. huge you the, know, the sea white, monster. The white sturgeon that's in British Columbia that goes. So, for instance, the Columbia River that separates Washington State and Oregon and right through that Sasquatch area, it starts in Okanagan Lake, where Ogopogo mm-hmm. is. And the white sturgeon there can grow up to 20, 21 feet. And the the Russian black sturgeon there that you were just talking about can get up to 23, 24 feet. Because the one thing about sturgeon is they never stop growing. They, they will always grow along their lives. And, I mean, there's sturgeon right now in the Fraser River, that are literally older than Canada as a country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's cryptids running around North America that are older than either of our countries. <laughs> Scarily enough, some well, of them were here before the white man showed up. Well, one of our listeners that I do trust, a fellow BCer here, YJ Overlander, says, Ogopogo is a water dragon. I've looked directly at one. It is not a sturgeon. I guarantee it. This is a guy I would believe. I would believe him. If he's seen yeah, one, YJ's, we got to get hit that story. Yeah, YJ is very sharp. I would tend to believe what he says, too. You know, and the other thing is that the, the, the descriptions of them vary from giant body of water to another. They're not always uniformly looking like the same thing. And it also seems like personality varies, too, like um, – I think they call it Illy Lake Iliamna in Alaska, um, where they definitely claim they have a sea monster in there. And there are people that disappear on this lake. There's like no reason for it to happen. Um, so that's pretty creepy. But, you know, they've always had these legends. And I don't think that there is an actual description of what this thing is supposed to be even. But the locals all don't like the idea of going out on that lake. So that should tell you something right there. No, I was just by Okanagan Lake just the other day when I went down to see my grandson. And I can tell you, I, I would never even dip my toe in that lake. Not it, it, It's so dark and it's so rough and, and everything. I mean, there was white caps blowing all over it. It was just horrible, horrible. 
Now, the bad news is, Duke, I, I officially cannot get to my Sasquatch gifting site now. Got that much snow up there we, now? We got that much snow up there now. What, you don't have a snowmobile? <laughs> I do not. No, I do not. Get a friend with a snowmobile that wants to do some cryptid research and you get up there a couple times this winter. Chances are good they, they're they probably not doing a lot of activity and just kind of laying low. They don't move around a lot in the winter. You occasionally get a track line or something like that, but it's not like they're running back and forth constantly all over the place like they are in the summer. I think they tend to stay underground a lot in the winter or wherever it is that they're living. Well, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out if there's caves in that area because it, it's pretty, uh, pretty flat zone there. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I don't know. I don't know. I've been yeah. all around that area. It does go up and down, but for actual caves, I don't know. I do know though, Duke, that there are a lot of rock quarries in that area. So there's a lot of, like, rock gardens or whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, where David Politis believes that a lot of people go missing in these in these rock forests. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of those. Yeah, there's, there's some areas in Montana like that, like the Batholith Strip that goes for, like, 60 miles or something. And all it is is this tumble of gigantic boulders. And, man, is it creepy walking through it. You know, there could be something the size of a huge monster right on the other side of that rock, and you know it was there. <laughs> and you can't walk in a straight line. It's not like the rocks were dropped in a straight line, so you can walk in a straight line. It makes it really confusing. You get, uh, you know, confused, disoriented, lost easily. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, some of those, so, <laughs> God, some of those areas are really, really creepy. I, I like to go over and uh, research megaliths here in Montana once a year because that's about how much creepiness I can handle over at that place. And, there, yeah, there's Sasquatch over there, but not, like, very many of them. And uh, it's just the area is just creepy. It's got a creepy vibe to it. Yeah, explain that creepy vibe for people who may not understand. Well, you just constantly feel like you're in an area that you shouldn't be in and that somebody's keeping an eye on you all the time. And, of course, you know, that's... I'm used to the Bigfoot keeping an eye on you feeling, <laughs> really used to it. So this is completely different. This is like you're just in a place where you shouldn't be, basically. Right, right. Yeah, you know what? And if you get that feeling, it, it really is a good sign to get the hell out. It really is. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Well, we, you know, the first time we figured out where the main area was with all the uh, – there's a cluster of about three megaliths that are all right next to each other, and we found that there was an actual place that you could set up a camp about 100 yards away. <laughs> so we did. Uh, it's pretty well hidden. It's back in a thicket and stuff, and, uh, you know, you can park the vehicles on the outside of it. And the first time we were there, um, I wasn't even there yet. Ashton and uh, Hawk were there. And there, it was shortly before dark. They both had their tents set up. They had just set up this little campsite. And here's a good spot. We can fan out from here and check the rest of the area for megalis and stuff, which we've been doing subsequent to that. But he's walking around to this camera filming. And it wasn't until probably about two months later, Blaine Tyler was looking at that video. And he goes, uh, there's a huge Sasquatch standing right behind that pine tree watching you guys. 
And Ashton's like, what? So he take, takes the original video, puts it on a computer, lightens it up a little bit, takes a look at it. Yeah, there's a gigantic Sasquatch standing right back there watching you guys. <laughs> right at the edge of, there's like a little thicket, and the brush is about six feet high. And then 50 feet back from that, there's the tree line. There's a big pine tree. Right there, there's one standing right behind it watching them. So that creeped him out a little bit. And I went, well, uh, I know you found where the megaliths are, but apparently there's also Sasquatch hanging around there. <laughs> so now we got another issue. You got to make sure they're okay with us being there to go look for megaliths. You know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. We got under a minute to go with you tonight, Duke. It's an abbreviated version of the cryptid report. And, and, you know, I always appreciate when you come on with us, buddy, because it's always so much fun and, and to be able to collaborate with your channel, world Bigfoot radio and spaced out radio. It's just something that, that works for both of us. And I really appreciate it each and every time you come on my man. Now we both got, uh, let's, let's face it. We both got two totally awesome channels here. And so uh, whenever Dave's going to jump into the ring, you can bet I'm going to be standing right outside being his manager, yelling to him to do the flying elbow, you know, clothesline, and then distracting the referee and throwing a steel chair in for him. That's my job. I love it. I love it. Anytime we get to wrap a steel chair on anybody who works for NASA, we're good with it. We're good with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, look out for that alien on your yard. Quick, take the steel chair. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, my friend, we're going to say goodnight to you at World Bigfoot Radio on YouTube and BitChute and Rumble. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. He'll be back next week. Coming up next, it is the Dave 101 at Shirky Poo's News. I'm upset. People charging money for no reason in the UFO world. It's garbage, and we'll get to it next. Spaced Out Radio. Super Duke! Super Duke! Super Dave, everybody really enjoyed that you made another uh, uh, appearance on my show, even if it was just because I lifted your show and made a show out of it. Huh. Hey, I'm going to copyright I'm gonna copyright strike you for that. Get Go ahead. My, get off my channel! Yeah. Yeah, actually, Kolshak the Night Stalker already copyright struck me because I showed part of one of the episodes on there, but my channel's not monetized, so that accomplishes nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can get away with doing stuff that are monetized channels can't do because they'll get in trouble, and I don't care. I'm not getting paid either way. I'll put it up. <laughs> oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. Oh, that's yeah, just... Spanish Moss Mysteries. I showed the intro where he was describing what was going on. Then I showed the epic part where he fought the monster. And then I showed the the outro where he was finishing his little dialogue on what was going on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was like the, the best of one of the best episodes of Kolshak ever condensed down to just the really cool parts. <laughs> awesome. And it's cool. He's fighting this Louisiana swamp monster, kind of like a... Uh, a skunk ape or something, except like a legendary, you know, mythical type skunk ape, Louisiana swamp monster. And the only way you can kill it is to jam a gum tree stake in its heart, kind of a vampire type thing. And he's in Chicago, you know, where the, like, where the hell's a swamp monster going to live in Chicago? Well, of course, it's going to be a damp, hot, humid place. The sewers. So he's going down in the sewers to fight this nine-foot swamp monster with his gumbo stick and his camera. Yeah, it's really good. You got to see it. When he sees the thing and he shrieks and tries to run in terror, that's probably one of the best parts. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Good Lord, stuff. Lord help us. Yep, Darren McGavin, excellent, excellent actor. Everybody remembers him from Christmas Story, the lamp that looked like a leg and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was also Kolshak, the Night Stalker. And now apparently I'm Duke Jack, the Bigfoot Stalker. Duke Jack. Chat room. Duke Jack. <laughs> Super Duke Jack. Duke, the guy that makes the cryptids run away and hide on the other side of the road so he can't get video of them, and then he gets video of them anyway. Dirty cheaters. That's what you get. Some bitches. Some bitches. <laughs> oh, look, Duke's going to go up the river, uphill. Let's sneak across the road and hide on the other side. Damn you! <laughs> I'll oh. get you on video anyway. Oh, jeez. Speaking of which, I'm working on that breakdown. I've got Bigfoot in Germany, Tracker, Blaine Tyler, Robin McRae, Christy, and a bunch of other real experts that can spot things in video that are all looking at that same piece of video and sending me screen captures. Here's one here. Here's one here. Here's one here. So uh, the first one I'm going to do is just I'm walking by this bush, and there's a dog man. And before I even get to the bush, you can see him looking at me. And as I'm going past it, you can see him turning his head watching me. So this is not pareidolia, and he's about 20 feet away. So I'm going to do that one first, and then we'll go, while you're watching the dog man in the background, there's two Bigfoot. Let's look at those. I, I can just see the, the dog man as you're walking by. Super Duke, Super Duke. He did not look happy. The one eye that you could see that was out in the sunlight was red. That's not a good sign. And plus he had his uh, maw open. You could see all of his nice jagged teeth. Oh, lovely. Didn't look like he was smiling in happiness. Like, hey, it's my buddy Duke. No, it's more like, should I kill him? No way, man. (laughs) And the Sasquatch behind him were going, no, no, he brings his peanut butter. Do not kill him. Yeah, no, he knows. He knows that Super Duke is around. I'm telling you right now, man. If I ever get out in the forest with you, we're gonna go right in that Bigfoot area, and I'm gonna be chanting "Super Duke" through the mountains. I am. You know, you you might you're gonna hear, you might as well bring your cape along. You're gonna hear whoop whoop coming back from the woods. Oh yeah. There's gonna be one female Sasquatch. Is gonna be yoo-hoo, Super Duke. Actually, you know how they react to us? They they do a wood knock. If yeah. we're, we say something or they hear something, apparently it's like the, the, how they clap. They do a wood knock. <laughs> we had a whole uh, bunch of bacon cooking, and I was up the hill from camp, and all of a sudden the wind switched, and I could tell that the bacon was cooking with my crappy human sense of smell. As this huge waft of bacon scent, the wind pushes it up the hill past me. And as it gets about 200 more yards up to the top of the hill, as soon as it gets up there, I hear a wood knock. <laughs> oh, nice. And they're like, Ooh, bacon. <laughs> bacon alert. Bacon alert. All right, Duke, I got to let Thank you go you here, bacon. buddy. Got to let take you go. Take care, everybody. See you next Tuesday. Much love. You take care, buddy. Love you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Thank you tonight to Human Carl, Catfish Times 2, Pam, and W. Decker for the Super Chats. Here we go with the final half hour and the Dave 101 coming right up. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight. 
on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is that time of the night where I drop my gloves, I put on a little scowl on my face, and I say, get off my lawn. It's the Dave 101. It's time for Dave 101. Open up the door, it's Dave. Dave, D-A-V-E. Dave is a little bit of a mess tonight, and let me tell you why. You know, earlier this week... Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com today. It's said we make 35,000 decisions a day. No wonder they don't all come out just right. Like that time you ordered that round of liquid magma hot wings. Ouch. At Citizens, we can't help you decide what to order, but we can help you track your monthly restaurant spending with Citizens Insights on our app. So you can keep tabs on your budget right after icing down your tongue. Learn more at citizensbank.com slash you got this. Citizens. Made ready. Member FDIC wireless carrier text and or data charges may apply. We were able to find out that one of the more popular research groups out there called UAPX has decided that they want to start charging podcasters $600 just for the opportunity to interview them. So I got into it with their agent his name is irrelevant, just like the cause, in regards to this on Twitter. And, you know, I've spent almost 20 years in media. I think I know how the game is played, how the game is won, and how to bring popularity. And the UAPX, over the last couple of years, they have had their ups and downs. Their highest up coming earlier this year when they were part of the Tear in the Sky documentary film on UFOs at the Catalina Islands, uh, a movie put together by uh, producer Caroline Corey. And let me tell you something. If you want publicity, if you want to get donations in, because they are a 501c3 in the United States, nonprofit organization, The last thing you do is tell people, yeah, if you want to talk to us, 
We need 600 bones. And who the hell comes up with 600 bucks anyways? Let me tell you something about most podcasters in this field out here or YouTube channels. They are run on a zero budget. A zero budget. Everything they do is for free. You set up for free on YouTube. Okay, you can post your podcast for free on certain channels. Whether it's iTunes, whether it's TuneIn, whether it's SoundCloud, or whatever it may be. Yet, here they are trying to judge who gets the opportunity to interview them and who does not. Now, I'm a firm believer that you do it. You do the interviews. I've done over 1,600 interviews in this field. If I look over my career, probably closer to 4,000, 5,000 interviews. And never once have I had to dig into my wallet in order to get somebody to speak on this show or when I worked in terrestrial radio. It's a garbage move by UAPX, and I mentioned that to Gary Voorhees, who's a goods fan and supporter of this show. Now, I don't think a show of our size would have to pay that $600 because we have ample audience and multiple directions for them to get their product out. What we're talking about here is somebody who has, say, 40 subscribers, 100 subscribers, 300 subscribers, small channels that are allegedly taking time away from the study of UFOs. Well, they've been studying this information about Catalina Island for well over a year. And from what I'm hearing, they've only got about 10% of their information done. And the reason why I'm taking this so personally is twofold. Number one, I don't care whether it's citizen journalism or proper journalism, professional journalism. Nobody should ever pay for an interview. And number two, I remember being in those small-time audiences when we were just getting started with this show eight years ago. I remember watching my audience numbers go up and down from 10 to 11 to 15 to 17 to 12 to 14, up to 20, back down to 11. Live listeners. And it was discouraging, but I kept up hope because I believed in the message that was out there, much like a lot of other people do as well. Now, if you're going to think that you are too big to do a smaller show or a mid-sized show, get out of the business. Just get out. You're wasting people's time. Now, the argument behind that is, look, we'll do all the big shows. We'll do the popular shows. We'll get our message out that way. But if somebody smaller, who we've already run the gamut on, wants to have some of our time, we need some cash in return. Time is, isn't money. Time isn't free. I understand that argument all too well. 
But who's going to pick up that $600 bill? Who is going to be foolish enough to pay $600 to listen to statistics that aren't completed yet? And this is a company, a nonprofit company, that isn't trying to make money. They don't want your money. Oh, but they do. But they do. Because their excuse is equipment is expensive. Repairs to equipment is expensive. Travel is expensive. Getting to the hot spots is expensive. So why did you go nonprofit? Why wouldn't you, if your agent was any smart, why wouldn't you do the following? Number one, get your ass out there and look for sponsorship. Sponsorship pays bills. Whether it's clothing, whether it's technical gear, whether it's microphones, whether it's automobile companies. If you got the goods, why wouldn't you go for sponsorship? There's huge profit in that because you're setting the price. It's like radio stations. Radio stations we broadcast on, every time we take a break, they're playing advertisements because they are using our show to bring in revenue for their stations. It's part of the trade. Okay? Number two. If you are so, how can I put this? If you are so convinced of your evidence, why hasn't your agent gone out and shopped you around to all sorts of societies, business luncheons, conferences that are out there that pay major money for groups like you to come in there and have a speaking engagement. There are people out there, average people, I'm not saying big stars, but average people who can make five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for an hour speak at a luncheon. Rich people believe in UFOs too. Your agent should know that. Because he's been in the business 36 years. He knows it all. But no, you go after the poor man who and woman who cannot afford to even advertise their podcast on Facebook or YouTube or wherever, and you try and hit them in the nuts with a $600 tab. To me... That's self-aggrandizing. I wouldn't pay 600 bucks for it, even if we had 100 listeners and subscribers. It's not worth it. What's scary, though, is this. Stupid ideas like this become precedent-setting. And there is now, potentially, 
the idea that other people are going to look at this and they're going to say, look, I don't want to waste my time on some piddly podcast or YouTube channel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set a speaking fee now. That way I'm not bothered. So if you have a podcast out there and you want to speak to Dave Scott, hey, I have a $500 tag on me or a $1,000 tag. And I'll give you exactly 55 minutes to one hour. People are going to start doing that. You watch and see. And where does it get you? Nowhere. Great. You don't have to go on podcasts. Guess what you could also do without embarrassing yourself with a fee? You could say, no, thank you. We don't have time right now. When we have more information, we would love to maybe approach your show and come on, but right now we aren't taking any interview requests. That's what we do. That's the proper way of taking care of it. Precedent setting for stupidity is not... It's an old-fashioned Griswold family Christmas at Raising Cane's. There it is. Celebrate an enduring tradition with kith and kin and hand-battered cooked-to-order chicken fingers and cane sauce. It's good. It's good. And introducing... Drumroll, please. Plush puppies that benefit local pet organizations and the gift cards that keep on giving the whole year. Hap-hap happy Christmas from Raising Cane's and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. One love. (laughs) If this tastes half as good as it looks, you're in for a real treat. It said we make 35,000 decisions a day. No wonder they don't all come out just right. Like when you pre-ordered those fresh sneakers, that dropped right when you repaid your friend for lunch. It happens. But overdrafts don't have to. Get extra time to cover your overdraft with Citizens Peace of Mind so you can relax in those sweet kicks and focus on your next 34,999 decisions. Learn more about how to reverse your overdraft fees at citizensbank.com slash peace of mind. Citizens, made ready. Member FDIC. Healthy for what we do. Okay? It's not. I look at it as karma. I just did a podcast the other day where they have a grand total of 61 followers. Why did I do it? Because they're fans of our show. And I did it because it made me feel good, and it made them feel good that they had what they feel felt was a bigger name in the field to talk about the weird stuff. And we had a great conversation, and I would do it again for free. I would. Look, there are ways to make money in this field. Advertising, special appearances. You go to a conference, and guess what? You can set your boundaries there. I know people who charge $5,000 for speaking at a conference. I've been to conferences where I've helped friends out, said, hey, just pay for my flight. I'll take care of hotel and food. Don't worry about me. And I've also been to conferences where I've received $500, my hotel, and my flight, and my gas to the airport. It's all in the negotiation. There's money to be made. And I don't even have an agent that I pay for. 
So imagine that. I don't pay for an agent and I can negotiate for myself what I feel is fair because I don't want to rip anybody off. And I could show up. I could do it. what I need to do. Yet these guys think that they're worth $600 an interview. Their time is worth $600 an hour. And the precedent that they are setting, because there will always be the followers out there who say, hey, if they're doing it, we're going to do it too. It sets a very bad precedent for the entire UFO community. Because if nobody is talking about this, how are we supposed to get the information out? In the end, UAPX, their job is to get the information out. It has nothing to do with anything else. That's their goal. That's their mantra on their website. Not ripping people off for 600 bucks an interview. I don't like it. Stay away from it. And if you're a podcaster out there that's fledgling and just getting started, never, ever pay for an interview. You will never have to because there's better people out there who have your interests at heart. And that is your Dave 101. Now, if you uh, have a comment, you want to know what's going on, go on our YouTube channel. Leave a comment because I want to read it. I will read it. And I want to know what you think. Should people pay for interviews? It's a garbage way of doing everything, considering the media is always supposed to be free. Here's Shirky Poo's News. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News. All right, let's get right to it. A garbage man who gained notoriety and went viral for kicking the head off a snowman last year has revealed he has now struggled to find a job since then. Callum Woodhouse went viral in January of 2021 where CCTV footage showed him kicking three-year-old Joseph Taylor's snowman while emptying out his family's trash. Woodhouse ended up getting sacked for the stunt, deservedly so, but was confused that it cost him his job as the snowman built by a three-year-old doesn't have feelings. The bin man refused to apologize for destroying the snowman, saying he doesn't understand why it has come to this, as it would have melted away and offered to build the child a new one as a replacement. The television footage of the incident went viral when a pair of garbage men in Leeds even building a little snowman of their own before knocking it over in tribute. Now, almost two years since this incident, Callum has said that getting fired did mess him over big time and that he hasn't had a full-time job since then. The former garbage man says he's not, he got, got done over, got done over with his sacking as he put more than I should have done into that job, claiming that in his time as a garbage man, not once did he let the company down. Well, how about this? You knocked over a kid's snowman. How about the humanity? Why don't you take responsibility for what you did, you moron? Okay? There was no need for it. 
You just wanted to be an a-hole, and apparently you haven't learned the lesson. So good luck in finding a job. I have no sympathy. None. Yeah, we don't mean to alarm you, but it looks like the two teams a time traveler predicted would play in the World Cup final have qualified for the next round. Up here in Canada, many of us are cheering that we got knocked out because now we don't have to hear about it for another four years. Yeah, well, anyways, could this prophecy come true? In case you missed it, the self-proclaimed time traveler who shared alleged footage from the soccer tournament three weeks into the future, uh, he literally put it out there. As you as uh, in the clips that were shown on social media, you can find them on TikTok, reckon that France will be facing off against Brazil in the grand finale. They also reckon Brazil will win the title, showing soccer and fans from the South American country celebrating the massive win. Alongside the footage, they wrote, Brazil just beat France in the 2022 World Cup final. Now, there's been a plethora of so-called time jumpers hitting TikTok of late, and for the most part, none of their predictions have come true. But the same can't be said for this person, whoever it may be. According to their account, at World Cup Time Traveler, they appeared to have accurately envisioned Italy's final score in the delayed Euro 2020 match last year. Yeah, that same goes for England's 4-0 victory against Ukraine in the soccer competition. Well, we'll see how that one plays out. And and who am I, who's my picks for going in? Don't have any. Don't care. A beauty pageant contestant in Mexico is lucky to be alive. Andrea Granados was electrocuted while on stage competing in the Miss Sueo 2022 contestant pageant in Machokan. I'm probably butchering those names. I apologize. I'm way too Canadian for Mexico. The 22-year-old was barefoot and wearing a traditional outfit covered in colorful feathers when she walked up to the microphone stand. It happened after Granados reached for the mic to speak to the crowd. She was shocked and fell backwards, holding her hand. She tried to let go but couldn't, and she fell backwards on the stage and in front of the stunned crowd. As the MC freaked out, Granados was lying on her back and managed to separate the microphone. Uh and wire to get it off her, of her before several pageant workers raced to her side to help her walk off stage. She might want to wear shoes next time. All right, and finally, some families in the U.S. are taking to social media to share their dislike for Santa Claus. Yeah, Sierra McKenzie, who has three kids aged three weeks to three years, went on TikTok to exclaim why she's against jolly old St. Nick, telling kids that Santa Claus is really a lie, and I don't believe in building up my kids on a lie, she says. Your kids can still enjoy the magic of Christmas without believing in Santa, she said, adding that presents under the tree will be marked from mom and dad. Mackenzie said she doesn't tell her kids Santa sees you when you're sleeping or any of that. No, she's a real Grinch to her own children. The magic of Christmas shouldn't be built up on Santa, Mackenzie told to the Post. It's about the gift of giving to one another. I don't even have words for that. No words for it. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever it may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube. 
Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SORBD Adventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. We make 35,000 decisions a day. No wonder they don't all come out just right. Like when you pre-ordered those fresh sneakers, that dropped right when you repaid your friend for lunch. It happens. But overdrafts don't have to. Get extra time to cover your overdraft with Citizens Peace of Mind. So you can relax in those sweet kicks and focus on your next 34,999 decisions. Learn more about how to reverse your overdraft fees at citizensbank.com slash peace of mind. Citizens, made ready. Member FDIC. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.